Welcome back to the Doghouse Podcast. My name's Connor. I'm joined by Jimbo, Austin, and JJ. Uh, welcome to Season 2, boys. How are you guys feeling? JJ, why don't you start us off? How are you feeling about the new season? I'm feeling great. A lot of things have happened since we've done this last podcast. It's been too long. I'm really excited to get back into it. Uh, how are you feeling, James? No, I'm feeling awesome. You know, it's uh, it's been a busy summer, uh, both, you know, I think for all of us, um, but also in the NHL. So, uh yeah, there's a lot to catch up on, and uh, hopefully we'll do our best to catch up on all the all the news here. Uh, so I, I know Austin there is uh, still the same pain as he was at the the start of the offseason there with his wall of Eichel, and nothing seems to have changed. Hey, Austin. You know, honestly, at this point, I'm just glad those jerseys were a good investment, and he's going to stay for five more years because apparently no one wants a top 10 <laughs> You'd love to see him. <laughs> no one wants a top 10 center for a third-round pick. Yeah, he's overrated, boys. Yeah, he's overrated. But, I'd much rather have like Carson Susie for half the price. Exactly. It, like, if you're asking for more than the third round pick, that's a little bit much for Jack Eichel. Let's be real. But enough of the joking. Uh, let's get into it because I think a few boys mentioned we have a lot to discuss, and I think the first place we should go off is with the Seattle draft. We finally got a 32nd team in the league, and Ron Francis made some interesting moves. Uh, Austin, what do you think were some of the, like Seattle's great picks or some of the things that kind of just you know make you scratch your head? I was pretty disappointed by this draft, like a lot of people were. And I know, you know, like we talked about this with Vegas. When Vegas came to the league, we thought this team was going to be garbage, and they weren't. And then, you know, so everyone's saying that was Seattle. Like, oh, you know, we don't know how they're actually going to be. They're probably going to be good, just like Vegas was at the gate. But they just had so many misses. Like, the guy they took from Columbus, Gavin Bayreuther, was a UFA, like, 27-year-old defenseman that they just lost for nothing. And I get the idea that they're trying to, you know, save cap space because they made some run-up guys at free agency. But you could have had Cliff Who, Cole Sherwood, Calvin Thurkaff. Like, these are all guys who are RFAs. You wouldn't have lost for nothing. And you got to stock your cupboards a bit, right? And I know that... You know, Seattle was put in a tough position because unlike Vegas, they didn't pay their fees in time. So they couldn't be part of the trade deadline. I don't know if you guys remember, but Vegas was an active part of the trade deadline as a middleman for teams. But Seattle missed that. So they couldn't make a lot of moves. And how many draft picks did Seattle get out of the draft? They traded Pitlick to Calgary for a fourth, and that was it. Like yeah. you look up the 2017 NHL expansion, it's just like it's pick after pick after pick that Vegas got. And Seattle couldn't even get one first. Like, that's brutal. That's actually shameful to look at. What about you, JJ? What do you think about that one? I have to agree. I mean, same thing with looking at Vegas. Is Vegas had a lot of better pieces, I think, to, to to take, like more players to take. But they also got a lot of things with trades. Like how many firsts did Vegas get? How many prospects did they then get, even if they then flipped them later for another top player? I mean, countless. I mean, they used their situation perfectly. They knew every other team was desperate. And you didn't see that from Seattle. I mean, what was their first trade back was Washington's goalie, and they traded him back. I mean, nothing crazy. And in the draft, I kept waiting for it. I kept going, okay, there's going to be this big trade. You know, maybe Calgary will give up something to keep Giordano or something. Not nothing. So I was very surprised uh, at how quiet it was from Seattle, actually, on the trade front. Uh, how about you, James? No, I think uh, you guys hit the nail on the head that you actually, uh, I think Austin spoke to all the points I was going to, you know, and, and UJJ with the draft picks, you know, they didn't, they got a couple fourth rounds in the second round and, 
look at the roster, it's it's you kind of scratch your head a little bit. But uh, as Austin said, you know, everyone was saying that with Vegas. So I, don't know, I think the jury's still out on the team. Uh, you know, maybe it makes you scratch your head a little bit. But you know, one thing I will give kudos to for uh, Seattle, like, is their goaltending lineup. Uh, Grubauer and Dryden. Those are two very good goalies you know, to have. Like It's going to be an interesting dynamic because they're both probably starters right in the league. So I think at least on the back end, they're looking great. And then everywhere else, it's such a question mark. You know, you guys think there's got to be some moves, but like, do they have the pieces now to make a big move because they don't have any big draft picks? And it just seemed very different when Vegas did so well. And you think that just copycat, but they just weren't able to. Personally, I think one of the big reason why Vegas was so successful versus why Seattle wasn't successful was the lack of direction, realistically. Vegas had an idea to like stock the cupboards, take as much as you can, basically raid and plunder as much as they could, make enemies across the league as quickly as possible. They didn't really care, and that was the whole point. They wanted to get good quality players, whether they were prospects or guys that could help now. And Seattle just kind of feels like they didn't have that mindset as well as like they didn't really know what they want to do. You look at that draft, can you tell me if they're rebuilding or trying to contend? I can't tell you. You get like a strong defensive core with like Mark Giordano, Vince Dunn, Jamie Alesiak, Adam Larson, and then like who's your top center, Yanni Gord? I, I, t- I totally agree with you actually, Conrad. When I look at this team, I almost feel like they went, let's get a semi-competitable team. Just throw them in, hope for some Vegas magic where no one believed in the team and they make the playoffs and do well, but it doesn't look like that team. It looks like a team that might push into the playoffs but could easily completely fall out and trade everything off within the year, but I feel like they let a lot of bigger trades go by when they had the chance. I think there's also a point to make about like they saved all this cap space and then didn't use it. What? Why? What's the point? Like the if you have all that cap space that you were saving, why wouldn't you try to go after guys like Dougie Hamilton or Taylor Hall? You you got a goalie despite the fact that you drafted three or four goalies in the draft. Like it didn't make sense to me. Yeah, I'm gonna have to disagree with James on his point about the goaltending. They're spending wow. nine point four million dollars. Uh, can you tell me the worst team Philip Grubauer played for? Because he played for the Washington President's yeah, Trophy winning Capitals and then the Colorado uh, almost President Trophy winning Avalanche. So this but is they, the worst team he's ever played on. I don't think they so, won with Grubauer. Almost. No, they won last year, didn't they? Okay, so there you go. He's played on two President Trophy winning teams with amazing defense. So this is going to be the worst team he's ever played for. Oh, and Rieger has played one NHL season and he's 27. And I'm fine with that. Like, I like giving young goalies a chance, even though he's 27, and I like Grubauer a lot. But 9.4 for that kind of unproven record is a bit ridiculous to me, especially when you look at their forward weaknesses. To, to James's credit, though, they do have a solid defense. Like, their top four is solid defensively. Oh, 100%. I like their defense a lot, and it's ridiculously big. I think they have, like, one guy that's below six foot two. Like, this defense is going to be monster. I did want to bring this up earlier. I, th- I might have brought it up in a different podcast, actually, because I had Grubauer in my fantasy pool this year. And he'd always win games, and his save percentage would be super high, but he never faced too many shots. And the games he did, 
sometimes he shut him out, sometimes he didn't. So it will definitely be interesting to see if he can keep up to that form or if he was sheltered in uh, Washington and uh, and Colorado. But I do like Grubauer, so I'm, I'm still going to stick with James. I think it's good goaltending, but we'll see. We'll see how it <laughs> plays out for them in Seattle. You want a goalie that's good at getting pelted by shots and not having defense in front of them? Freddie Anderson was on the market. They could have gone <laughs> for the true goat. And I think he came in at a cheaper number, but I, I still think the Seattle team is going to make the playoffs by like a mile. There, there was an even better goalie on the market, even though not a free agent, Darcy Kemper. He constantly got peppered. Yeah, but for the price Colorado played, no chance. True, yeah, I guess you had to give up a first. And a prospect. Connor Timmons is a really good prospect. True, and a prospect. Quickly, just before we move into the draft, because I do think we should, I want your guys' one pick of a player that you thought Vegas or Seattle should have taken. Who's the one player that you thought, absolutely, that's someone they missed on? I believe that they absolutely should have taken Carey Price. I know it's a huge contract, and I know he's old, but you get that big-name brand goalie. Like It's a marketable point, as well as if you're going to try to push for the playoffs, which you absolutely fucking can in the Pacific, it is a shit division, right? Carey Price has demonstrated he's a playoff warrior, and if you got a good defense, you could easily have done this. Like I and I just don't see the value in Ke- like Cal Fleury. Like he's just kind of middling, never really relevant kind of prospect. That's fair. That was a yeah tough one if they were going to get him right. I mean he's so expensive for such a long time. I I thought I I think I agree with you, Connor. I thought they were going to take him. Like honestly, not just for the skill, but also for the marketing and. Uh... Mm. Just having that big name and, and the jersey sales and really starting to build a foundation in the city. Because um, you look at the roster right now, I mean, who's their big name, right? Uh, Mark Giordano? Or... Yeah, that's it, real dead. <laughs> I'll just see an Austin shaking his head, so. It's got a lot to yeah, say. Let's, let's, spend, let's spend $16 million on goaltending instead of 9 I'm not saying you have to do that, <laughs> but like you keep Vanacek, you don't have to take Drieger, and you don't have to get Grubauer either. So your two main points... For taking prices, you want to have someone who will sell jerseys and bring fans in, and you want someone who's an all-star, like a really good player. Can steal the games in the playoffs, and he absolutely can. What if I told you that there was an all-star that's cheaper? The most highly touted NHL all-star of all time. Danny Heatley? He's retired. (laughs) For only $2.2 million, Zemis Gergensens was available. The most voted all-star of all time. That's 2 million fans straight from Latvia, and he could have been on their first line center. I have no idea why they didn't take him. (laughs) He played first line center in Buffalo the year we tanked for McDavid. He knows how to play center. He's a a goddamn good center. The Latvian locomotive would have fit him perfectly there. And I love the pick of uh, Will Borgen from Buffalo. I was really high on him. But he's he's at the age where he has to make it to the NHL now or he's just never going to play. And with the amount of good defensemen in front of him, it just kind of felt like a waste of a pick. Jage, what you got? I'm just going to stick with Arizona, the team I know. I was really surprised they didn't take Christian Fisher. I mean, this guy, you know, he, when he was drafted, had a lot more potential than I think he people think of him now. I, um, but I think he's a guy that just needed a different scenery. I think Seattle would have been the place to take him and almost do a Vegas to him, have a miracle turnaround where he becomes a William Carlson type player. Maybe not as good, but 
revive his career. I mean, they got Pitlick. They traded him right away for not a lot. So it was quite clear that they didn't want him. And uh, Fisher's cap's only a million dollars. So they easily could have buried him or sent him away if they needed to. But I just think he had a, a he could have easily proven that he could have played there and maybe changed his career around. So that's why I was a little surprised they didn't take him. Let's move on to the NHL draft. How about we start off with our amateur scouting expert, uh, Austin Daw? Yeah, it was a really exciting draft to watch. Like, I know a lot of people were kind of expect, like talking about this draft being a dud. It's it really isn't. Like, it's definitely not as good as previous ones. We kind of got spoiled with the 2018 draft and the 2020 draft were both knockout home run drafts, and you know, 2015, 16 are getting a bit up there in time. Like, there are a lot of quality players, and I think there's going to be a lot of steals in this draft just because, you know, kids are going to get more opportunities to play. A lot of them didn't get the chance, specifically OHL kids. A lot of them didn't get to play this year. Yeah, I was I was very surprised by a couple picks teams made. I thought a lot of teams made a couple bad selections. But for the most part, I was very excited and happy for, you know, a lot of teams. I think a lot of teams succeeded more than teams lost this draft. I thought it was a pretty great draft overall to watch. I think we can all agree that the biggest loser of this draft is Montreal, just without yeah, any research into it oh, or yeah. anything. I mean, talk about a low move. I mean, the guy even said, don't draft me, and you take him with your first pick in the first round. I mean, that is just shameful. You know it's bad when you have a statement prepared to justify the pick you made. Like, you, you could got to reevaluate yourself at that point. And then they and, go and, and sign uh, Hoffman in the offseason. I'm surprised they didn't <laughs> sign D'Angelo too, man. Completely. Cancer locker room. And, and I mean, they could have learned from Arizona. Arizona tried doing that not too long ago and ended up not signing the guy and apologizing. So that there was already a perfect example from not that long ago of why they shouldn't have done that, and they went and did it anyway. And I, I'm beyond disappointed with Montreal for that. Yeah, and even in the Arizona case, like, I, I obviously heavily critiqued Arizona when they did it, but the difference with Arizona was that was their fourth-round selection. They lost a bunch to a Taylor Hall trade, and then they lost the rest of their picks to cheating. So the mindset with the Hall, the trade there was that they wanted to get the high-skill guy. The reason why the kid was still there was because of the allegations, but he was a second-round talent. So from Arizona's point of view, they were getting a the best talented guy they could get in a crappy year. It's not at all okay, but I understand their no. logic. The Canadians, he wasn't the best kid on the board still. There no. was 20 other kids I would have taken before that guy, before the allegations. And just, like, his attitude and everything, like, absolutely, like, you know, if we want to talk, you know, losers of the draft, we can talk about, you know, how Edmonton really misfired, how Detroit might have stumbled a bit, but... End of the day, loser by far is Montreal. Montreal is absolutely the biggest loser. But let's talk about some of those other losers. Because I think one loser that I think a lot of people forget about is Ottawa fumbling their, what, 13th overall pick or something like that? 10th overall. Uh, Oh, yeah, 10th overall, right. Sorry. Tyler Boucher? Like, I get the idea of, like, if you like a guy, you take him where, where your pick is. You don't trade down and risk losing him. You know, Buffalo did that, taking Isaac Rosen 14th overall when he might have been available in the 20s. Um, but Tyler Boucher wasn't projected to go until like the fourth or fifth round, and they took him 10th overall. Yeah, I can give you one example of 
and it's the exact same example because I have seen this as a Flames fan. Mark Jankowski. You don't take the guy you like. You gotta look where he is everywhere else, too. That's important. That that pick there, um, just brutal. He's a he's a slow skating power forward with not a high ceiling for skill, and he has injury problems. He only played five games this year in a league that was open all year round. Like this is oh, just good. a brutal selection by Ottawa. And if you look at their entire draft too, like the Senators just kept missing. Like every guy they drafted was like three or four rounds above where they probably were going to go had they not taken them. So I just think definitely like biggest losers of the draft, um, the Ottawa Senators by a mile. Didn't the, the, the Ottawa GM just get an extension? He did. He yeah. just got an extension. Look at that. Great job. Ottawa, like before they blew it up, were one of the best scouting teams in the league. They, they were so good for late round hits, you know, Mark Stone and all that. There's been a change in their scouting, and it's really shown. Like, that was just a brutal pick. Uh, another one that I really want to highlight is Edmonton trading. I believe they traded down. And yeah, the 20th pick. Yeah. yeah, they traded the 20th to 22nd, and the 20th pick was used to take Jesper Wallstead who is going to be, like, the next greatest Swedish goalie of all time. I was going to ask you about that, because I remember when we were watching it, I'm not super familiar with a lot of the names, but you were kind of surprised how low he went in the draft. You yeah, so I, I had him in my mock draft going sixth overall. Yeah. Oh, like, wow. this kid, um, last year, before his draft year, when he was 16, was playing in the SHL, which is a Swedish hockey league. Like, that never happens. That's crazy good. And he was putting up good numbers. Like, this guy, uh, there's been three years in a row where a goalie's been drafted in the first round. Last year, it was Askarov. The year before, it was Spencer Knight. By a mile, um, Wallstead's the best of the three. Like, he's just such a good, technical, smart, sound goalie. And I I was surprised he fell so far. I'm kind of disgusted he fell that far. But the fact that Edmonton traded down not to take him. Like, can any of you guys name me Edmonton's top goalie prospect right now? Mike they Mike don't Smith. need a prospect. He's, they he only got age. Mike Smith. Exactly. You have Mike Smith. You don't need prospects because he's going to play till the end of time. Like he this would have been the perfect stops. pick. Spencer Knight played. What was it? Two years after his draft year. Like it would have been perfect to have Wallstead come in right when McDavid's in the middle of his prime, get those young pieces, and build the dynasty. But they blew it, and they traded down to take Xavier Borgold, who's a good player, but he's no Jesper Wallstead. Yeah, that was a pretty big fumble. Yeah, I would say Edmonton, Montreal, Ottawa, biggest losers of the draft. In terms of winners, it's it's pretty close. I'm probably gonna, you know, Buffalo pulls ahead just because they had it first overall, and that's and they drafted a lot of good guys in the later rounds. Uh, Carolina wins every year. Carolina is one of the craziest scouted teams, and just looking at it, like for first round wins. Probably Arizona taking Gunther at ninth. That's a huge win. Gave up a lot to get him. <laughs> so he, he better be pretty good because uh, the Arizona Caddies gave up pretty much everything they had for him. So. Oh, and Winnipeg And you still too. won that trade. True. <laughs> we'll see. Winnipeg getting we'll see. Um, Chaz Lucius 18th overall. And then with their next pick game, Nikita Chibrikov 50th. That That's probably the winner of the draft. Them or uh, or Buffalo. Those are two huge prospects where they took them. 
Hey, so before we get into the next segment here, uh, I know I'm skipping ahead about a year into the next draft in 2022, but I just want to have a quick discussion on Arizona Coyotes. Like, how the hell? I'm just looking at their draft picks for 2022. They got five in round two, three in round one, and then just like a bunch in 2024. Also, like, JJ, as an Arizona expert, you gotta you got to give us a debrief here what's coming up. The, coming out the line. I mean... Bill Armstrong came in and the message is clear. It was a fire sale. I mean, the entire team was pretty much traded. Big names like OEL, Connor Garland, Christian Dvorak's now been traded as well. Darcy Kemper. I mean, the whole team's basically just been gutted. It's clear that they're going for a rebuild and they just sold everything and got as much value as they can. So we'll have to see if they draft well with uh, all the picks they've acquired. But right now, I'm definitely a huge fan. I've been sending the Bill Nye video or the theme song of the Bill, 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 because Bill Armstrong's on fire right now. I mean, he's basically building a team uh, out of nothing that's just going to sit there and tank, and not only that, getting picks on top of it. So he can get all those picks, but Buffalo can't even get a first rounder for Jack Eichel. Yikes. It is weird. It does show you, like, when when teams sour on a player, how quickly some are willing to get rid of him. I mean, Philadelphia, they traded Gossip Spear and immediately went and acquired, uh, 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 what's that Buffalo defender? Uh, oh my gosh, it's Ratmus uh, Ristolainen. Totally escaped me there. But they went and traded for him right away. So it just shows some teams, when they sour, they just throw the player out right away. And others, they'll hold on to it. And I think Buffalo is doing the right thing, even if it's painful for the oh, fans. For sure. but mm-hmm. You have to hold on. I also on. think, like, another part of it is, like, Bill Armstrong's been in the hockey industry for a long time. He was Seattle, uh, Seattle, St. Louis's assistant GM. Like, he's a well-respected name. And hockey's really big on that. Like, when Buffalo had Botterill as our GM, it was Pittsburgh's former GM. We traded with Pittsburgh, I think, six times during that. And our current GM, Kevin Adams, is a first-time GM. And before that, he worked within the Sabres organization and has done nothing, like, previously before that. So I think a lot of GMs think they can kind of push him around a bit. Like, I think the the last offer the Rangers get was they said their top six prospects are all, like, non-touchables for Jack Eichel. So I think at this point, they're just, like, trying to lowball the crap out of him to see if he'll break. And, like, I'll give it to him. He's, He's not budged an inch. Two of Eichel's agents got fired. He didn't give a damn. Like, Kevin Adams has put the boot down, and I'm proud of him for it. I mean, yeah, he. I can only imagine the Eichel trades have been pretty low balls. Although, I'm, I am shocked at how little he got for yeah. Sam Reinhardt. That one, I'm I'm confused about. I He said it was the... They talked about the offer and how they're very excited. So I'm not surprised if that was the best offer. We saw a bunch of RFAs this year get traded for, like, garbage. Like, Buchnevich just got traded to St. Louis for Blyce and, like, a third, which is insane to me. So I just think the market for RFAs are so low right now that just no one has the power to make any good Because they're commanding a lot of money, and it's... Uh, yeah, if you, you if never you know how much is going to come. If you don't want to pay them, then you kind of have to get rid of them for whatever you can get, right? So. Yeah, I will say though, uh, funniest funniest move of the off season. Uh, Kevin Adams signs Sam Ventura, who's like this great hockey analytical mind, and the first thing he does is get rid of Rasmus Ristolainen. Like within 24 hours of hiring the guy, the guy was just like, "You need to get rid of this player. He is garbage." Didn't go to the Winnipeg Jets, unfortunately, for our uh, 
<laughs> our Winnipeg clip. Uh, I mean, for us, yeah, not great prediction. <laughs> Lucky Winnipeg, though. I mean, Ristolainen, as bad as a player as he is, like, Philadelphia's going to love him. He's big, he's mean, he can score. Like, he'll fit in great in Philadelphia. You, you know who's another big, mean guy that Philadelphia probably could have loved and I would have loved if Philadelphia took him? Zadarov. Are we just going to hop straight into the bad free agency moves? Because if so, yeah, what the <laughs> hell, Calgary? What is going uh... on? If if anyone has been following the Flames of late, it's the Daryl Sutter show. Bradtree Living's a puppet with Daryl Sutter's hand up his ass right now. Every, none of these moves are good. Like, they're extra bad, even for Trey Living standards, which are always bad. Well, I mean, he's 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 really hit or miss, to be honest. Like, he either does something really good or something really bad. The only, only thing he's good at doing is, like, keeping contracts in-house respectable. Like, if it's a guy he's already in the system and it's up for extension, he can keep that contract low. That's the only thing he's good at. He has missed every free agency. So do you, are you not a fan of the Coleman signing then? Not for that term. Not for that term. Not I for like... the term. I thought it was okay at the value, but the six years is tough. But like, I mean, it's also difficult too, because like, I mean, you know, Tree Living came out, I think this week or last week and said, you know, you can't just, it's not, not fantasy off. You can just snap your fingers and the players will come, right? You have to convince them to come. And I think that's something that's been a really big struggle in Calgary and and probably just in the Canadian market in general, um, if you're not Toronto, um, to get players to want to come. And I feel like that's the point we've gone to is that you have to give them, you have to give them a good lump sum and you have to guarantee it for probably longer than you like for them to even come, right? And so it's probably, you know, it's probably going to bite, you know, the final couple of years here, but um I guess they'll just deal with that uh, down the road. It's a future GM problem, probably not Brad's problem, <laughs> right? When it, when it becomes an issue uh, in all realisticness. So I, I think I agree with you, Connor, that like I think that six years was a lot and I didn't like it. But like, yeah, at the end of the day, like his hands are kind of tied. Like it, it was a, he, he didn't have a whole ton going on for him this this uh, offseason. That was his biggest signing and the rest has kind of been pretty mediocre at best like pretty low-key or, or like, bad but like you know maybe it's just a maybe it's just a factor of the players just aren't interested you know and nothing's going to change that I, I mean i don't think that's always true but i think there's also the mentality that the flames don't want to do that if it's like a big name guy the flames don't want to do that if it's a guy like dougie hamilton for instance but they would like they would bend over backwards for some gritty veteran leadership. Like that's like there's zero like it doesn't make any sense why Eric Branson would get anything more than a PTO, and yet he gets almost two million dollars. The worst defenseman in the league getting two million dollars, and taking a spot away from like a rookie defenseman or one of the young defensemen that has played. Just it's poor management. I do agree with James's point, though. Like, you know, Alan Walsh, the agent, said it perfectly. If any player has a no, like, trade list, like a modified one where you can put, you know, only seven teams you can put to not get traded to, it's every Canadian team. Like, players hate playing in Canada. And that's definitely, like, a, that could be a discussion we could have, you know, 
about a bit how silly it is that players don't want to play in the cities that will make them money. And that's for sure something we can tackle. But unfortunately, it's the reality of the league right now. And I think Calgary has to kind of bend around that just to make it work. Doesn't excuse some of the signings, but... It doesn't make them as much money though sometimes too, right? Because the tax rules here are different than signing like Florida or in Texas where there's no state tax and they can they can have a, a lower cap hit but make way more money. No, absolutely. But, you know, you see players talk about they don't want to play in big markets. You know, yeah, with the sponsorships and stuff like that. Yeah, I gotcha. And it's just so strange to me. Like, you'll never see an NBA start and not want to go to the number one fan base and the number one team. Like, this seems like an only hockey thing. Like, the NHL would be happy if all 32 teams were in Florida and no fans came to any game. They would just be so happy for that. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of weird, hey? I do want to bring up a point that I'll ask the Flames fans. Don't want to drive the knife in a bit too much. But who would you rather have on your team? Eric Goodbranson, uh, Blake Coleman, and who's the other guy you just signed? Nikita Zadaroff, or Jack Eichel and 500,000 in cap space? Jack Eichel. Like, he, I, Jack Eichel can miss the next two seasons rehabbing his injury, and I'd still take that. Uh, I don't know. That's, that's a bit though. nuts. <laughs> and what are you I've, giving up too for Jack Eichel? The, as well? the only that's good part in discussion. that is Coleman, and that's the only thing. Literally, the the two defensemen in that trade, or the two defensemen in that idea, are negative values on the ice. They are literally hurting your team. Oh yeah, and I, I know watching a lot of the games, there's nothing worse, you know, when this happens every single year, every single game it seems for the Calgary Flames, where there's there's like five unnecessary penalties in the third period, you know, and then they they lose the game because of it, right? And that's not gonna help. But like, I I understand your point, Austin. Like the Eichel is a big cap hit, right? And like, so they're signing more guys at less money, but at the same time, you're also they're taking up a roster spot that maybe someone else could take, you know, a younger uh, prospect. I mean, that That's the other side that I think, do you really want to put on these guys that are going to be potentially a negative on the ice? Like, uh, you know, I was reading the, the comments when they announced the uh, Good Branson signing, and it was pretty bad. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I've never seen, like, Flames Twitter instantly all turn like that. Like, usually it's like, Maybe like a 50-50 split. But I couldn't think of one Flames fan that was just like, oh yeah, that was a good signing. Every one of them was upset. Well, I Every think too, when, especially like for the Flames, when you lose Giordano and you lose your captain, long-term captain who has just been incredible for you, and you don't make a signing to replace him, you kind of do all these lower signings, especially mm-hmm. like if you don't like who your team's signing. That's just that's that's how people get mad. Well, I mean, I would be furious if the Coyotes traded away Jacob Chitrin and then just re-signed a bunch of old physical guys. So I think that that's well, what's united the fan bases. There hasn't been a replacement for Gio, mm-hmm. and it hasn't been good signings either. Well, and I was just I'm actually just looking at the the quote from Goodbranson when he signed, and actually exactly to Austin's point, like this is literally what he said. It was kind of a no-brainer when Daryl Sutter called me. So Daryl Sutter is making all the shots. He literally phoned him. <laughs> just right? It wasn't. It wasn't Trilving. It was uh, Sutter. Sutter is literally playing coach and GM right now. Right? He's the classic, the, the Sutter classic. So I, I know like, Sutter like whipped this team into shape a bit, but oh man, has the NHL changed since he won a cup in 2012? Like that is such a bad signing. 
And I get, like, I think, you know, the Flames have an issue replacing their stars. You know, ever since Kippersoff and Iginla have left, they've, they've done nothing. There's been no replacements. And I think whatever the price is, the Flames should pay it to get Eichel. But even then, there was guys that are cheaper. You know, you don't think the Flames could have found a first over a first round pick and a goalie prospect that Florida gave for Sam Reinhardt. I would have given Reinhardt on this team. That would have been oh, I massive. Know. I was. I thought for sure they were going to try and go for him. But dude, give up next year's first round. Give up uh, Dustin Wolf, and then maybe like Poirier, a defenseman prospect. That's already a bigger package than what Florida gave up. And then at the draft, you get Wallstead at fucking twelve. Or Costa because they were both available, and both would have been a better goalie prospect. It just it blows my mind. Like I understand Trey Living's point that there are people who don't want to come here, but you need to be vicious in the trade market. You know, like I know Arizona had an issue for a long time that the only people who want to come there are you know old retired guys who just want to come and retire and have an easy season and an easy market. But that hasn't stopped, you know, Bill Armstrong from being the most aggressive GM out there right now. He's going to force a trade come hell or high water. And that's what you got to do. You got to get her done. And, you know, I always I always said uh, Jim Benning's the worst offseason GM. Like, he's actual hot garbage. But I think Trey Levin's starting to take that role. Well, let's talk a little bit about Vancouver for sure. Because, like, Trey Levin's bad. But I don't think you understand how bad Benning has been. He all those bad contracts he signed and that were his Achilles heel, he got rid of them a year away from their expiry to take on the exact same amount of cap in less players for a guy who's probably not gonna rebound, to be honest. And for like six, seven more years. Like why? Like they've done nothing of significance this offseason. Thank you. I, I personally disagree. I mean Connor Garland is one of the most underrated players in the league. No one watches him uh, when he played in Arizona. And the guy can score. And not only that, he's tiny, but he isn't afraid to go anywhere. And when he does, he's aggressive. I've seen him knock guys over way bigger than him. And he, yes, he gets knocked down, especially because he's smaller. But he's always he always gets back up and is not afraid to go back in. I think he is one of the most... the. Like the underrated part of that trade. Everyone's so focused on OEL because of the contract. Will he bounce back? Which they should be. But I think they're letting Connor Garland's talent slide under the radar there. Because that was a good pickup as well. And I personally believe OEL will bounce back. Maybe not to like when he was in his young 20s, mid-20s prime. But he's been playing in Arizona with Ilya Labushkin in the last three, four years. And that's a sit-at-home, park-the-bus Russian defenseman with no offensive skill whatsoever on an Arizona team that was playing defensive hockey. So just even just going to a team like the Canucks, which is a bit more offense-orientated, I think that will all automatically help him bounce back. We'll see if it's worth $7.2 million a year. But... I'm, I'm sorry, a bit more offensively motivated Vancouver doesn't know what defense is there's only one more <laughs> team that doesn't know what defense is and they're also in western Canada that's but... Toronto <laughs> oh you disagree uh, I'd say Toronto uh, but I guess Toronto's changed over the last couple uh, of years started no but like who okay who's who's OEL going to play with come the start of the season because last time I checked the big um, ticket dogs in Vancouver. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, he wouldn't play with Hughes anyway because they're both left defensemen. 
Um, but Benning, Benning said at one point he wanted to play OEL ahead of Quinn Hughes. So we'll see how long that lasts for and if that even happens. But it would either be OEL and Tyler Myers or they'd put Tyler Myers back with Quinn Hughes and do like Hamannick or some other shutdown guy like Ilya Lavushkin and so OEL gets no help. Hey, even maybe why not Luke Shen? They used to play together back in Arizona. So there you I go. kind of forgot they still had to sign those two guys with $10 million. I think they have 13 once Furlan goes on LTIR, oh, okay. but it's okay. not a lot. Yeah, okay, Furlan's still around. It's not a lot. Mm. Yeah, but both of them are going to be more than seven. Yeah, let's say somehow Arizona by miracle or uh, Canucks by miracle get Hughes and Pedersen under that. They need big season from these other guys just, you know, to survive. And then you have to sign them after, like Ole Ulevi, Jack Rathbone, and Brock uh, Besser all RFAs after this year. So you're out of a bit of cap crunch now, and then you're getting into an even bigger one. I think um, that was kind of like a plan with Garland. Is Garland's going to come in. He's a right winger who can score. Vancouver's, at least the office, like the head office has always seemed to be sour on Brock Besser, and they were always trying to get rid of him. So I would not be surprised if this year or end of this year we see Brock Besser traded for a defenseman and Connor Garland step in or uh, replace him. Which Connor I Garland's a hell of a, he's a hell of a player. I just think, you know, we always talk about Toronto treating like their Stanley Cup winners way too soon. You know, Vancouver's even farther behind. They have this really good young core, but they're not there yet. And they should be, you know, building in the draft. And now they're already trading to be buyers. Like, Dylan Gunther is just going to be a better Connor Garland when he makes the NHL. And you gave him up to take Garland, who's good, but he's older, and Ekman Larson, who's ancient. Like, I just feel like Vancouver's trying to jump the gun a little bit. Ancient. He's, not, he's only 30, dude. He's only 30. <laughs> he plays like he's 40. <laughs> Have you seen him skate recently? Very harsh. Um, I, I feel like that's you have to kind of do that with every team, though. Like, um, when you make the Stanley Cup uh, semifinal, and especially Game 7, and you barely lose, and your your goalie stand, lives, stands on his head, and the players should have scored, especially on that five-minute power play against Vegas, you, you just have that taste in your mouth. And as a GM, you can't go backwards because then that's when everyone starts questioning uh, you as a GM. So I think once you've tasted that, I mean, I remember Ottawa. Ottawa would always just go, yeah, we were one goal away. We were one goal away from the finals, even when they were completely falling apart. And I think pretty much every GM would do the same thing. Well, you have to, otherwise you're out of a job. Let's be real. Yeah, and that, you can't that's convince your fan base like, oh yeah, we we're close, but like, you know what? Time for a rebuild. No fan base is gonna wait, especially on yeah, the Canadian no. market. And especially when like these Canadian market teams haven't been, they haven't been good, and they finally have a good season. Then it's oh, back to the drawing board. No Canadian fan base would allow that. And Jim Benning already every year his jobs in in question by the fans. So. But yeah, we'll see how these moves play off. I think OEL will surprise people. Potentially, but like I don't think Jim Benning's capable of being fired, to be honest. I think he's unfireable think the at this point. The moves he's made? There's no. no pressure on Jim Benning, and he still makes the wrong decisions. I no disagree. Decisions. There's lots of pressure. Lots of pressure from the fans, but like, it's not the fans that are going to decide the GM. Let's be real. Yeah, but even even with the moves. the owners, I think now he's kind of made like his last huge trade to be like it's this or it's not happening. So I think if Vancouver doesn't make the playoffs this year, he'd be fired. 
And if not, then the owners need uh, they need to get their heads checked. <laughs> we talk a little bit about Vancouver's goaltending. Like, what what is going on there? Like, yeah, I know like, how much Austin likes unproven young goaltenders. I I actually like this duo. I oh, really like Halak, wow. and Demko's pretty good. And I you know think they make three too. mil less than the other two. So, did you guys know how like Halak did last year? I can't he, say he, that I kept up with him, but I know he was well, in he was Boston. The, he was the his, third his numbers were with Boston, and it was like point nine oh four, point nine oh seven, or something, which is not good. It's barely it was barely higher than Holtby's, and he's going to a way worse defensive team. Yeah, but you got to keep in mind though, this year Boston was in the hardest division hockey's ever seen in its existence, and there was a period of time where Boston lost five of its top six defensemen. Yeah, I'm so, sorry. It's almost all gold numbers there. I totally forget. Uh, th- that time where he um, Boston lost five of their six defensemen. Uh, it was guys like Vladar and Swayman playing, not Halak. Halak played but, a couple of those too. I will say this. Yeah, okay, they were playing the hardest division. Now he just has to face McDavid and Drysaddle, ten, like what, four, six, eight times a year. Yeah, yeah. So he, he also to gets face to play Seattle <laughs> and LA Calgary. and Anaheim. And San Jose. Like, the I Pacific's mean, the weakest division, I don't think. Oh, yeah. It's so no. weak that Canucks will probably make the playoffs. You think they're going to be a top three finish without Patterson or Hughes going into camp? Well, the only lock is Vegas. Vegas first. Second, yeah. maybe Seattle. Really? Uh, Seattle <laughs> Edmonton? We can get no, to Edmonton in a moment, but I do not have faith in this Edmonton team. And then well, third, wide open. They're gonna make the playoffs. Oh my gosh, we'll get to them. Oh, they're they're we'll right get to Edmonton. Let's actually talk about Edmonton now for a second, before we go into the full losers and stuff. Let's talk about Edmonton, and what the hell kind of drugs Ken Holland is on. Yeah, speaking of full losers, the Edmonton Oilers. Did did we expect anything like different from Ken Holland though? I mean, yes. these are the trades he made in Detroit. I will say there's one W in there though. They signed, he signed Flames legend Derek Ryan. That is a good signing. That's a good signing. That was a great good, signing. Yeah. That was a good signing. Derek Ryan is a very underrated yeah, player. Yeah, he is. For $1.25 really. So, I mean, that's a, that oh. is actually a good addition for him. So. That's a huge I, Actually, on that point, quick question. Derek Ryan or Trevor Lewis? Who would you take? Fuck oh, Derek Ryan, anyway. Derek Ryan, yeah. legend. Dr. Derek Ryan. Dr. Derek Ryan. Smart man. But, okay, anyways, but on the other hand, though, they haven't signed Yamamoto, and they have zero cap space. Oh, wow. Yeah, like, yeah. they they yeah. dug themselves, you know, I've seen online, like, Edmonton fans were almost deflecting any criticism because they kept saying, you know, Holland's in a bad cap situation. Just wait to see what he does when he finally gets the cap space. Just you wait. And then this offseason, he got the cap space, and he signed Zach Hyman, Till the end of time, and got Duncan Keith and Darnell Nurse. Um, oh, I think they'll have some cap from Clefbaum. They'll have four million, four point one million when he goes on LTR because I don't think he's playing again this year. Yeah, they get four point one if he doesn't play. But then if Clefbaum doesn't play, that's a huge hole in your defense. That right? is a huge hole. That's a huge hole. But Edmonton's also over, so it doesn't give you four million in cap. It gives you like maybe two. Which they could use to get Yamamoto signed to like a bridge deal. But your top four is going to be Darnell Nurse, Duncan Keith, 
Tyson Berry, Cody Ceci. Yeah, and they definitely they commit. <sighs> Cody Ceci had a better year this year, but they definitely committed long term to a guy who has not been so great on multiple teams, and then kind of just had a breakout year. Playing with a uh, good Pittsburgh team. Playing with, with a, a good, good team, and now they've kind of locked themselves in with him. So hopefully for him, uh, he plays well. I mean, and they do still have Chris Russell, shot-blocking legend. <laughs> That's a, probably a sex defenseman this year, so they re-signed him. Um, Tyson but, Berry also got $4.5 million for getting secondary assists by giving the puck to either McDavid or I was, I was really surprised. I didn't think they would re-sign him. I you did. I didn't know, think he'd get that much. I didn't think he'd get that much, but uh, speaking of that much, doesn't kick in this year. But uh, Darnell Nurse's yeah, contract that that one nine point two million. I don't understand what that one at all because like why sign him right away at the max pot? Like, is there a situation where he did so good this coming season that he would be worth more than that? Like, wouldn't you take a gamble no. that he wouldn't do, he would do maybe okay and and you sign him for less? Like, I, I don't. You literally sign him at the max possible value. A year before you yep. need to. I, I, I don't know. I don't get they, it. They signed for more than Dougie Hamilton and Kale yeah. McCarr. Yeah. Like, what? That's insane. Oh, my God. He makes more than Kale McCarr? He oh, makes more yeah. than Kale McCarr. What? 250K more than Kale McCarr. Yeah, Calder five or... yeah. And the way I, I see it... it... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Austin. I was just going to say, the way I see it is, regardless of if he's capable of this... Darnell Nurse plays huge minutes, he's big and mean, and he can put up points with McDavid. So I think Holland saw him and went, oh, he will be my Lidstrom. I need to lock this down right now. I just don't see Lidstrom was good defensively. Exactly, he's not bad, but that's what he sees. He goes, this will be my Lidstrom. I'm going to give him my money now. And I'm... I'm not saying for a second he's a bad player, because he's not. He's he's a good player. He had a really good year. And in the playoffs, you could see that, like, just how much of a warrior he was playing all those minutes and playing quite well for a lot of it. But he's not hes not worth that amount of money. And whenever no. you overpay a player, the fans always turn on them. I mean, look at Louis Erickson and uh, Ocpozo, all these other players. When James they get signed Neal. to too much, James Neal, even. Skinner. They just, interesting the, the fans interesting you say Ogposo before Jeff Skinner. <laughs> I know. <laughs> that one's uh, like, it's it hurts too much. I didn't want to. Jeff Skinner like, went from the most crying. loved man in Buffalo to the most hated in like a matter of months. It got like, so I... bad. The hate is that people now like Ogposo again. <laughs> <laughs> but like, what I mean is like, they just, if, if he continued playing as well as he played this year for Every single year of that contract, I still don't think it's worth it. I still think it's an overpayment by even a little bit if he plays that well. If he doesn't have a good year, doesn't have completely falls off or whatever, then this contract looks even worse than it already does. So I think there's just way too much risk and not enough reward for that contract. It, it really to like this is not Duncan Key's fault, or I guess sorry, not Duncan Key's. This is not Darnell Nurse's fault by any stretch of the mean. No, if you're getting that Secure contract you absolutely take Ooh, 100%. it 100 like, get that but, like, bag. <laughs> but, but do you want to it's not going to help is the fact that like edmonton's defense doesn't know how to play defense and they are not a strong like you know team to break out of their zone they a strong forward checking team is going to destroy the oilers this year that's all it's going to take they're not going to be able to handle it you just got to control the puck in the offensive zone and they will collapse 
Well, we'll see how Zach Hyman does because I believe that's why they brought him in to basically be what Cassian was a couple years ago, but better. But that's another bad contract they're stuck with, Cassian. I mean, look how much they're paying him. And they were paying him going, this is the guy we're going to play with McDavid. And he's not even playing with McDavid anymore. So if they were if they were thinking what Austin was saying earlier about Nurse and thinking this is the guy to play with McDavid, I mean, that is an even bigger gamble. I mean, think, think about how much money the Oilers have locked up in three play. They have almost $30 million in three players. And then, okay, two, sure, I'll give you this. Two of them are top five players in the league. One of them is the best player in the world. I understand that. But then you got one guy who's just like a good defenseman, but not in the elite tier. Just doesn't make sense. And especially for a team that has always had cap issues, has always gone, we don't have enough money to put a really good player with McDavid or get some more depth positions filled out. Well, now they've committed all that money to Hyman and Darnell Nurse uh, the year after this one. So even when Duncan Keith comes off in two years, which is $5.5 which is a lot, well, now you still have Seth Jones's contract, and you still have Hyman's, and that's a lot of money that could be used for more depth, which I don't think they have great depth on their team at all, or another star. And when you mismanage like that, it really hurts your team. Not Seth so Jones, I feel bad but he's literally in the same situation. That that was exactly. such a flub. And I wonder, like, you know, we always talk about narratives, you know, the 2016 offseason where we saw all these older, not-as-good guys get overpaid. Are we going to look back at this year and go, holy crap, did we overpay every single defenseman? Like, it's not counting Jones and Nurse because their contracts don't kick until next year. But if you count those two, five of the top ten biggest cap hits for NHL defensemen were given out this summer. And they were huge. And even, like, Chicago traded an arm and a leg just to sign that contract, too. Chicago basically gave up three first-round picks to to put themselves in cap hell to contend with a team that is nowhere near another cup run. No, I think that was a very bad trade for Chicago. Personally, they gave up way too much in that trade, and two- this team wasn't isn't ready. I mean, they didn't Taves didn't play last year. Who knows if he comes back and in what shape he comes back? And I know when you have guys like. Kane and Taves and they had Keith until he was traded you always want to be in win mode especially when you've already won it's hard to say goodbye when you're the champions but they almost committed to that a couple years ago and now it seems like they've completely thrown that idea out the window and they don't want to tank any longer and they they want to win with these guys where I think they they got to make their mind up and right now it looks like they have they've committed to being good but I don't know if they were there yet and I think they've given up too much they, they've definitely given up too much. Like, here, let me just read out what they gave up. They gave up Adam Boquist, a top-notch top. um, defenseman who's very young, um, the 12th overall pick this year, a second over uh, second round pick this year as well, as including next year's um, 2022 first-round pick. Like, that is, that is And you only got Jones in a sixth back oh i and the first round and the last pick in the first round but that is it's not not enough and you're giving way too much up that could have been used if, if you if those draft picks were used properly and Bauquist, i mean their team would have been probably been in better shape 
in a year or two and not been in Capel and still would have been in that build slash compete mode where now they've totally committed and they've given up so many things that can help them grow. If they have a bad year next year and that first is a higher first, it's going to look terrible. It's going to look even worse than it already does, especially when they, I, w- I would say, won the Duncan Keith trade uh, to Edmonton. So they started off doing well, and then they just immediately replaced a high defensive cap with more. Yeah, they, they really fumbled that. Um, but I do also do want to go back to Edmonton for a quick second. Like, Why did Edmonton say they were going to sign Larson but never actually sign him? Because Seattle had an offer on the table. No, this is prior to the Seattle's offer. They could have signed him at any point, couldn't they not have? Prior to the roster freeze. Yeah, he's pre-party the dog them though. Probably told him. I, I imagine he he told them he was going to sign, but actually taking offers under the table. I don't know. I feel like he's been. I don't the think this is a Tavares situation. I feel like because he came over in that Hall trade, the fans have never really gotten behind him because you lost this fantastic player in in a one-sided trade. I mean, Adam Larson is a good defenseman, but he's not a Taylor Hall, especially back in the day. And I just think when fan bases, I was talking about this earlier, with bad contracts, it's very similar with bad trades. Fans just cannot get behind that player. And whenever they make a mistake, it's like they made 100. And I just think the management didn't want to deal with that anymore. For worse, in my opinion, I think he's a good defenseman. But they definitely should have done something uh, to, for Seattle not to take him because their defense is, a bit, is looking a bit rough. It's looking really rough. Couldn't get, honestly, any worse. Um, I do want to ask the panel, though, in terms of some of the... Like, we've been talking a lot on, like, some of the bad moves being made this offseason. What are some great moves, you think, that were made by teams this offseason? Uh, extension, Boston Bruins, in my opinion. Sorry to cut you off there, Connor. Uh, Allmark was, like, a big one, I think, on the list that we talked about last year. Or, I guess, this year, but last at the end of the season... You know, what was he going to do? Because we knew he was going to take offers and he was going to try free agency. Uh, Buffalo just couldn't keep him. And I think... No, you know, no how he said well... he was thinking of staying. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, you know, it's pretty clear how well he managed to perform on such a bad team that uh, I think that's a huge signing for Boston, especially when Rask is getting old, right? You need a replacement for him. And that, I think that's exactly what they needed. Uh, kind of a proven guy that looks like a very good potential. So, um, yeah. Oh, I couldn't agree more. He great signing by Boston the Allmark trade, just as well as like gives Swayman time to develop behind a goalie who's really one of the top-notch goalies currently in the league. <laughs> Austin shakes his oh, head. Crap. <laughs> so much Austin's pain. not a fan. I, I'm a fan for that move for Boston. That's why it hurts so much. Like five million got, too. Like a dark horse for the Vesna Trophy. I said this about Laner when he left Buffalo. I'm saying this about Allmark. They're they're Norris, they're Vesna caliber goalies. They just never played for a good team. And you know, Laner got that recommendation his first year out of Buffalo. I can see it again happening this time with Allmark, and that will break my heart. It's, it is always tough. What do you what do you have, Jage? Who who's a great move? You think this uh, summer? Speaking of goalies, I mean this one's a good move if you're a Red Wings fan, and a bad move if you're a Carolina fan. Well, I don't know what Carolina was thinking, but 
Yeiserman is base. He's he's doing it with the lights on. He doesn't care who sees. He is bending every team over, and he's getting it done. I mean, I'm gonna butcher this name, but Alex Nojelkovic. How does he get traded for Bernier? It that makes no sense to me. You have this goalie come out of nowhere, and he is the future, and he is great, and does not cost a lot of money, and you trade him for a goalie you don't even sign. Blows my mind. But uh, for Detroit, it blows my mind in a positive way. What a trade. I think they now have a great, exciting goalie. And hopefully it helps rebuild the Roman Empire. Because it's coming back. The Red Wings are going to be good in a couple of years. And this just speeds it up. God, I'm so excited for that. Austin, who do you have? Are we talking just like a one-off really good move? Or like what team do I have that won the, like had a great offseason? I, I, let's just go with one move, but afterwards circle back to that. Yeah, absolutely. There was definitely like a, a couple moves that I liked that I wasn't crazy about. Like Dougie Hamilton is a great signing. Nine million, he's worth it. He's one of the best defensemen in the league. Uh, he's really turned it around since leaving the Calgary Shames, so I don't blame him. But like that's just such a weird signing. Like New Jersey is not ready to make the playoffs. They're definitely a couple years out and they're just kind of forcing a hand it's almost like some of the trades la made where you know they're they're forcing this thing to just happen and they think it's going to happen but if i'm going to have to name the one trade where i'm like out of all aspects this is a great trade it's got to be you know god bless his soul bill armstrong getting a, a first round pick and i believe a third round pick and a prospect for Kemper, and a prospect I've always been a really big fan of in Connor Timmons. Like, we just talked about Detroit. That was literally taking advantage of a situation. Like, I always complained about GMs not being ruthless enough, and he literally saw Grubauer walk and just pointed a gun at Joe Sackick and took him for all his worth. Like, definitely the best move of the offseason. And I, I honestly, I would agree that was a very good move. I'm a big fan, obviously, of Bill Armstrong, but... Even the situation, Kemper had a year left on his contract. So it wasn't like Bill Armstrong was in a great negotiating position knowing that Kemper did not want to be there and only had a year left. But as soon as Grubauer signed, he jumped on it. And it was good to see from Bill Armstrong. Very proud of him so far. No, yeah. Like out of all the moves that have been made this offseason, like all of them, even all the positive ones still, I think, have like a bit of a negative value to them. Like I explained with the Dougie one. That's the only like pure positive move I've seen, besides the wrist alignment trade. But I just think they got a bit more for Kemper, and that's why I have it so high. The Kemper one's really good. Personally, I I would actually also have to stick with a Bill Armstrong move as that's the cool. best move. And it's the getting rid of the OEL contract. That was the worst contract, one of the most toughest contracts to move in the league, and they got rid of it for... A, a haul, a bunch of guys that are going to expire in a year. And, what, this year's first round, and I think more first round picks, too? I don't think first. Uh, sorry, a second round pick uh, next year. But you got Dylan Gunther from that first round pick, who's an absolute stud, and I think will be better than Connor Garland. Like, Arizona committed to the tank, and this move was just beautiful. Just an absolute fleecing of Vancouver. Now I wish I said uh, Christian Dvorak and stayed on the Armstrong train. <laughs> I mean, that was also a pretty good fleece. The only issue, the only contention I have with Armstrong right now 
is blowing it up is the easiest part of any rebuild. Mm-hmm. It's just now you have to hit these mm-hmm. picks. But I'm not going to lie, if you look at their cap space, they only have one, two, three forwards signed past next year, and then one of them expires after that year. I think he's going to make the run of a lifetime for Austin Matthews. Oh, that's always been the I think we're going to see the first, the first $14 million contract. What's the? That's not the max, is it? There is no max in the NHL. It's not like uh, the NBA where there's, there's a... max. No, you can offer anyone anything. Just no. The, the, there is there is a cap max. McDavid when McDavid signed his, it was fourteen million. Was the cap max? Oh, yeah, you're right. There is. It's stupid high though. We're not going to get it? that close to it. What is it? What? Uh, for this season, it was sixteen point three million. Oh, I mean Sam Bennett. Oh, he just <laughs> we could have got there. Could have got there. James, did you did you say your trade? Uh, did you say yeah. it at the beginning or? Yeah. The oh, okay. Boston. Sorry. Allmark. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Mark, right. that's the best okay, move. Yeah, total, yeah, total right. Buffalo missing on that one. Austin crying. He, Sorry, he might, I just he had might to rub take it, it in back. Again. He might, he might <laughs> go back now for Sam Bennett. Now that you've mentioned it. Yeah, now that Sam Bennett's been brought up in the podcast, there's no going back. What did he sign? Four or something. Four point four two five. Decent amount. I think that's a definite overpay. I mean, oh, yeah. for four years, you're, you're paying you're paying for playoff Sam Bennett right there, and we have just not seen him play like that in the regular season, other than when he we got traded Florida. to Florida. Yeah, but you're, yes, you're but paying it's... a guy for an unsustainable shooting percentage he had, and you don't even know if he can sustain it in like a full regular season. Mm-hmm. Uh, fourth and overall pick can definitely so many sustain teams do that. that. So many teams do that where they pay off one year, and I don't think it ever. Or less than one year, and I don't think it usually ever pays off. I mean, look at Jeff Skinner; that was a whole year, and he hasn't been the same. And like, I know, like, I could be wrong on this. I know he played with Huberdeau. Huberdeau's a great player, but he just got replaced. Like, the top line's going to be Huberdeau, Barkov, Reinhardt now. So Sam Bennett's going to be expected to carry a line. But I think that's not going to be that big of an issue. Sam Bennett, his biggest issue when he was with the Flames was the fact that he was buried on the fourth line having to play with Lucic and guys like that. Troy Bauer, Lucic, like, you can't really do much with those guys. Yeah, but now he's going to be playing with Anthony Duclair and Carter Verhage. It's not I bad, like though. I, have no I like both players. Like, they're both skilled players. They're not, like, they're not Peter or Barkov, you're right, but... I Listen, I am one of the bigger Sam Bennett supporters on this podcast, but I, I don't have this much faith in him. I think he's going to do good, but it's a bit rich what he got. Especially since Florida has to pay Barkov after this year. Yeah, that's going to be rough. Hopefully those uh 5.9 mil, mamma mia. Hopefully the ESPN and TNT deals help. Yeah, true. That as well. Well, they did a great job uh, not pronouncing anyone's name correctly at the Seattle expansion draft that and bringing on well. guest stars who didn't know any what they were talking about, but Good, like, good did start it not for them so far. Once? No, I don't think so. And with how hard it is to get a true number one center, do you think next year, you know, with Line A on RFA, do you think Columbus takes a run at Barkov to get Line A his center? Oh, absolutely. Why not? They're Does, all finished, the GM and the player. Columbus doesn't have anything to lose. They don't have, like, major contracts except for the border check one now. You just have to convince uh, Barkov to go from Florida to Columbus. That would be the big thing. Yeah, as well as, like, go from a team that's contending. It came out very clear, like, 
Kekalainen thinks Line is the building block for Columbus, yeah. but he wants to get him a center. Because the only be center cool. they have is Domi, who's not really a center. And C- Sillinger's too young. Like he just got drafted. He's gonna yeah, be yeah. Johnson's or too three. young. So if you put if your first line is Voracek, Line, Barkov, that's pretty good. And I know that's a bit armchair GME, but you know I could definitely see him making a run like that. I don't know if he can make a run with that. Look at how much he gave like to Warensky. Yeah, Warensky so he, got, has, like... he has ten million in cap, and he loses five point three off Max Domi next year. So just throw fifteen million at Barkov. It's a bit much, but definitely when you're like, the GM you throw... of the team in Columbus, Ohio, you got to be a bit much to get guys to come. You could throw eleven, give him Panera money. I think Barkov's going to command more than Panarin. Probably. A good player to see how similar it would be, sort of, is uh, Kapril Kaprizov. I mean, look at how look at his negotiations negotiations with Minnesota right now. I mean, they're talking eight, nine plus million to sign a guy who had one good year, especially teams where they're not in a huge market with a desirable, the most desirable city to live in. You have to overpay for players. So if they want Barkov, they're going to be coughing up a lot of money, and he and they're going to have to really sell it to him. This finished dream, because uh, look at just look at Capril. I mean, that's a lot of money, and he's only had one year, and he was fantastic. But it shows the, that teams have to over, overpay with Kareel and with all these new young guys. No one wants to do the eight years anymore. Everyone's signing like five or six years, like walking themselves to free agency. Which is good yeah. for the players, but obviously not good for the teams. And I think Kareel said he only wants to sign like a one-year contract because he's a UFA after that. And yeah, he might, he might want to stay. In, he might want to stay in Minnesota, but I think he just like every player now wants that ability to hold the money over their GM, and you know, say this guy just offered me this much. What are you going to offer me? So on that note, like with this, seems to be a trend, especially this offseason, right? There's a lot of overpays, especially in the defensive zone, and there's going to be no cap raise for. A, couple of years right i don't know when they said is kind of the next opportunity for the cap i think there's a small raise in two years so so only small that was going to be my question like is there any like is there any anticipation that there is going to be a big jump at some point like like, i think they announced like a two million raise but i think they're waiting to see what the espn numbers is because they got that huge contract right and that was a big boost and they announced that they're going to have jersey advertisements yeah. So I think they just want Sadly. to get this influx, and then they'll raise the cap. Mm-hmm. Especially because think... I'm pretty sure they said the ads were to stay, right? I'm pretty sure they... The helmet ads are to stay. Um, they they did say, like, they'll look into the future, but, like, once you put them, they're never leaving. After yeah, a couple of years never. of kind of flat cap and minor increases, there's got to be a big jump coming at some point soon to make up for the yeah. inflation, right? Like, I mean... So that's probably and, what some of the bigger defensive contracts like Jones and uh, Nurse are kind of... I bet that's kind of what the GMs are banking on. Like, it's going to be a, a tough sell the first couple of years, but they're banking on that final four years, you know, ending up uh, kind of cancelling out. That's that's the only reason that can justify those contracts, potentially. And but. I'm not a... I, I wasn't like... I understand why Helmet sponsors had to come in, so I was totally okay with it. Um, if they do keep them forever... I, I understand things happen, but please just NHL, 
make them color like make color rules about it because it's crazy when you see the Canucks with red on their helmet or Toronto with red or some other team with this big green logo. It just it looks bad. It looks really bad. So please, if a team sponsors you, make it so it matches your uniform because that's the one thing I care about. I just don't want red on blue jerseys. It drives me nuts, especially if, yeah. when they start doing jersey sponsors if they don't do that. God, I can't wait for like the Calgary Flames to have this fucking like orange or fucking I guess pink or green logo on their chest. It's just gonna be so wonderful to see. Brutal. One thing that we haven't been talking about this off season because I guess it's not happening to Toronto, so nobody cares. There's a lot of big names not signed. Like restricted free agents, Brady Kachuk, Rasmus Dahlin, Kirill Kaprizov, Elias Pettersson, Quinn Hughes. Those are massive names. None of them signed. I just think there's there's nothing to really talk about. I mean, we're not really getting a lot of reports, and when we do, it's always, oh yeah, they're discussing this and they're close, and then a week later, it's no, they're not close at all, and they weren't really discussing that. So I just don't think we have anything to talk about until they are signed and hopefully uh, they all don't pull William Nylanders and don't play for half of the year. Cause that would suck as a fan. I know it's unlikely. And this is again, like this never happens. The NHL isn't fun like that, but just for fun's sake, who do you think would be the most likely to get an offer sheet? And who do you think would be worth it? I'm going to pass it over Con to Yemi. JH first. <laughs> I believe Con Yemi would be the play. <laughs> um, out of those players, I'd have to say it would either probably be a huge like Quinn Hughes or Patterson and the reason I'm saying that is because Vancouver doesn't have a lot of cap to act on so if Vancouver doesn't sign them both at the same time or even just it gets closer and closer to the camps or camps have started I think a team then might make a move going you know what we know this is how much money they have unless they do a desperate trade uh, like we get him. So I think it could be a Canucks player. Uh, how about you, James? Yeah, I'm just kind of thinking from JJ's like logic. Like, yeah, Brady Kachuk would be a very wanted player. A lot of teams, but they they're fine with cap. Like, there's going to be no issues there. And I I think when you look at the actual situation behind the whole team and the cap space, I you have to look at Vancouver um, and, and maybe Minnesota, right? But um, I think. He's more than willing to go play in another league, depending on what the what the offer would be, right? For him to actually accept it. Um, so I think there's a lot of leverage in, in Capri's hands. So yeah, no, I, I, I agree with uh, JJ there. I think for sure it's going to come from Vancouver. When you look at the situation, their hands are tied, and then maybe next year it becomes a, that situation comes into play in Edmonton, right, or something like that. So Connor, you got anybody you think? Uh, yeah, I mean. Of all the players that are RFAs that are most likely to be signed, I think a team would probably have to address a big need, and that would be like a number one center. So Pedersen, to me, it seems like the most logical to get an offer sheet, especially because you know Vancouver can't do Pedersen and Hughes right now. So you could try to poach one, and if you're going to poach one, you go for a number one center because a number one center is always needed. It's... It's a hard commodity to come by, but if it's not Pedersen, I think it's going to be Kaprizov. Just there's been so many reports, and it just doesn't seem like Minnesota's going to get anywhere or going to even be close to signing him. So if you're looking at that, and the guy on a Minnesota team that was absolute garbage was almost a point per game in his rookie year, 
Like, why wouldn't you sign him? It's an absolute offensive dynamo. There's no reason not to sign him. I would what do you be, have, Austin? Pretty bold. See, you guys aren't thinking about this big brain enough. Yes, Ottawa has the cap, but do you think Eugene Melnick's going to pay somebody $10 million? No. <laughs> Well, I mean, a team would have to come out and offer Brady $10 million for a long time, and so also you Brady is seen Brady as a leader Kachuk, in that room. If you offer Brady Kachuk $10.2 million, all you have to give up is two first-round picks, a second, and a third. So, and you also have you to have Brady that cap. Yes, yeah, so there's a couple teams, and there's only a couple teams. If you actually go on cap friendly, you can see what teams have those picks to offer. Arizona, Buffalo, Dallas, Detroit, Minnesota, Montreal, Nashville, New Jersey, Ottawa, and Seattle could all do it. And most of the teams have the cap space. They have the cap space, but I don't think any of those teams are in a strong enough position where they're willing to get rid of two first-round draft picks when you they don't, don't know New how Jersey good their team's going to be. You don't think New Jersey could take a swing at that after just well, signing would, Dougie? If, but if New Jersey was going to make a move on anyone, it would be Quinn Hughes. And that would be so that they have all the Hughes brothers. That so, would be, and that, that, would that be is something insane. I thought of. That is something I thought of when I said Hughes or Patterson. Because why not? If you're, if they're not getting signed. They, I mean, obviously everyone wants to see them play together at one point. Maybe not if you're a Canucks fan because you don't want to lose uh, Quinn. But that could happen, and I don't think a team would pay that but much if, for Brady. The t- of the teams that can't. If you if you paid that much, wouldn't you be screwing yourself for the next contract? Like, are you committing like an arbitration that? Yes, but if you sign them, that like that'll screw like Carolina with Cocky Nemi because they signed them to one year. Oh, you but if you do... sign them to eight years, oh, I didn't realize you could do multiple years like that. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, because the offer sheet Sebastian Aho got was six years. Yeah, right. It, it was to walk Aho straight to free agency. Right. Very right. Yeah. Yeah. So Carolina. definitely, like, what are they doing? Uh, yeah, you know, on the topic of Carolina, definitely one of the bigger offseason losses. Oh, dude, for sure. Yeah. Talking about like offer sheeting, like it was the the worst kept secret in the NHL that they were gonna offer sheet caught Miami. I mean, we all knew this years ago. Even if we were like, no, haha, this is a joke, there was always that thought in the back of our head going, you know, they might. Like they might. They seem very petty about it and like I know their social media is a, they make a lot of jokes and who knows if you can take them seriously, but it almost feels like they are always a perfect like feeling of what the team's feeling, and you could tell as soon as memes started coming out they were ready for that they were ready to make that pick just to annoy Montreal maybe they think he's a good player but not for that much I mean let's be real way that, too much money that that's a lot of money riding on the potential of a guy who can barely stay in the fourth line in Montreal in a year where you let. Dougie Hamilton walk, and you mm-hmm. do not resign Dougie you Hamilton, and you trade on the top goalie, and that's all it's for—just some internet points to laugh at Montreal. And now you have to play Cocky Nemi like you're paying him six million. You know what? A team that storm surges deserves this. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'm gonna Absolutely. go. Out I storm surge. I'm gonna go out and say it. I'm not a fan of uh, <laughs> the storm you. surge. And you know what? This is karma. Why do this you think Dougie left and didn't even consider staying there? Like, <laughs> he's probably so embarrassed. Well, here's the thing. New Jersey's close enough to, like, Manhattan. So, like, there's plenty of, like, museums there. Like, that's the I... big reason why Dougie Hammond left. Really? Interesting. Yeah. What? I think that was just Calgary. 
Fake museum guy. I think that was just Calgary propaganda. Just, you know, oh, we lost a really good defenseman. Let's blame museums. Hey, blaming museums. What, what is That's Calgary doing? Well, they're, re- they're renovating the well, Bow Museum. I was just going to say, they what good museums do we have here? The Glenbow is pretty yikes. I don't know, man. Uh, hey, hey, whoa. He liked it. <laughs> he liked it. He went out to Drumheller all the time to see the Lord Tyrell. That That is an elite museum. That is a bumpy museum. Not a Calgary one, though. Unfortunately Close enough. Not. It's a dinosaur but, museum for everyone not from Alberta listening to the podcast. <laughs> no. But uh, going back to the, the hurricanes, I don't know why you try to do that for Cock and Yemi. If you really wanted to hurt them, wait a year or two and do that to Cole Caulfield or do that to Dick Suzuki. Like, why Cock and Yemi of all the players? It, As I was saying, it seemed like they were committed to it. Yeah, no, they had to. Their owner is a very petty guy. Like, this is absolutely up his avenue. He's the kind yeah, of guy who will, like, not pay his coaches, but drive a drive a point home that no one fucks with my team. I, you offer cheap me, I'll teach you a lesson. But what's the lesson? Montreal just kind of got out of that. I mean, yeah, it looks bad on Bergeron, but, like, it looks At way the worse the day, on the Carolina. Lost a, they lost a guy. I think the I think alert for... looks pretty um, bad on Bergeron. For their fans is definitely gone too like carolina was that like really fun team to watch and you know they're starting to look really good and they're you know the bunch of jerks and they did the storm surge but you know this is now like what three years in a row they haven't done anything in the playoffs and your whole thing is like oh we're against don cherry we're like the super inclusive fun hockey team and then they went and signed tony d'angelo he won't punch freddie anderson he knows he knows where the line is <laughs> yeah you don't you do not punch Bluetooth. Yeah, Bluetooth. Yeah, I just think Carolina is definitely one of the bigger off-season losers all around. I just yeah. I, I couldn't believe the moves they made. It almost felt like they took a really big step backwards. And I definitely think so they just have this weird sh- like cap rule that their owner places on them and why they lost Dougie. But even then, goaltending. There's no way. Like, like they traded for Bernier back. So... I maybe they didn't even want to sign him; they just had to do it for the trade. But they gave up this great young guy who wouldn't have cost that much money, and then sign Anderson. And like they, it it didn't make sense. They could have kept that young guy and then also signed Anderson. And now, when you're paying Cotton Yemi as much as you're paying him, you can't you can't use that argument where oh we have a cap rule or or we we have an internal cap because now you're spending all this money on a forward who really shouldn't be making anywhere near that and you've totally let all these other players go who that money could have easily have gone to or tried to have signed those players with and it's shameful from Carolina I think they've really fallen back no but when I say internal camp I don't mean like oh no one makes this amount I think their owner is very strange about how like keep in mind it was kind of under the radar because it's Carolina but Rob Brindamore one of the most beloved coaches in the NHL had to beg the owner to bring back the other coaching staff because he didn't want to pay him. And I think, you know, it came out like Nodelchkovic asked for a certain amount of money and he's like, you don't tell me how much you make. You're gone. I set the rules. And it's just this weird thing that he did the same thing with Dougie. He said, you're going to only make six million there. And Dougie said, I'm worth more. And he went, then you're going to walk and we're going to sign Tony D'Angelo for one million. (laughs) Like the owner there is so weird. I, wasn't it the owner didn't like drafting defensemen, too? Yeah, he said, ago? when I am yep. the GM, we will draft no defensemen. And, I mean, 
maybe just maybe this is nitpicking, but they stopped wearing their away jerseys for a while. What? He changed their he changed them. What happened? Well, he changed them, but before that, they would wear their home jerseys to random places. Uh, he, just, he didn't like the away jerseys, so they wouldn't wear them even on the road. Hmm. So yeah, I remember I remember watching them play. I can't remember if it was Montreal or the Flames, but and Carolina was wearing red. It was very weird. I think I might have remembered that too. That's weird. Yeah. Yeah, he just he likes to do things the way he wants to do it. He's he's a very particular guy. I mean, how he got his how he became rich was he bought used cars uh, sellers and would flip them. Yeah. So you uh, quite literally a used car salesman owns the Carolina Hurricanes. And he definitely reflects that in some of his business ventures. Uh, it's kind of yeah. interesting to have like an eccentric owner in the NHL that isn't the owner of the Rangers, but nonetheless. I gotta love the owners of the Rangers. Who's also, once again, another offseason loser. Yeah. Trading for Ryan Reeves. They, they, they are very scared of Tom Wilson, let's be real. Tom Wilson is underrated too. A, fa- a franchise. Oh yeah, they did. They traded a good right winger who could score, who's playing very well for them. And they traded him for almost nothing, and then brought back grit. They've they've literally let Wilson get in their head, and it's affected their entire team. And it's crazy. I I know when you see Panarin, like a star player on your team, get bullied like that, and, and you feel the NHL hasn't appropriately uh, policed the game. Then you go out and try to police it yourselves. But trading top players for grit guys for one team in the NHL, that's not no how sense. you win. That's not, And that shows. That gets in your head and that's going to work. And you're going to trade more players and get more tough when you are when you have all this skill. That move reminds me of like early 2000s Calgary Flames. Just trading away everything for like a guy who can hit. And that does not work. Even worse, this reminds me of when Vancouver got knocked out by Boston in the finals. They never recovered. That destroyed that franchise. They went full grit, and they just have not bounced back. But at least that was in Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Finals. Tom Wilson beat up a guy in the regular season, and they have blown up their franchise because of it. And like, I get the idea that you're going to play Reeves against Wilson, and it's going to be great. Reeves is 34. You're going to put a 34 like, enforcer against the top line in Washington, because Wilson plays with Backstrom and Ovechkin. Like, Washington is laughing to the bank right now. They're going to score, like, 20 goals solely against the Reeves line this year. Just for the one or two fights they might have, might not have. Just yeah, and to Tom Wilson might tone. just not even drop the gloves with Reeves. Why would he? Yeah, I'm almost thinking of, like, the Goon movies when uh, he drops the gloves and the other guy just laughs and he gets a penalty. And yeah, knows, like, yeah. there's no need for this. You know, I think Wilson will step up to the plate. He likes to get into fights, but, like, okay, you just take Wilson out and then the, the game goes on and then he comes back and keeps playing. And like, you've traded a whole player a for him. And it's just, it just shows how inept the ownership of the Rangers is. They fired a great GM and they brought in uh, a former Sabre as their new GM and he's just totally tearing it apart now. Lack of wow. Wow. A, a Sabres flair. Just, just destroying the direction of a hockey team. Wow. Hey, it's usually not the players. It's just often the GMs. Uh, any, anyone, anytime the word Sabers and GM get near each other, it just results in a bad franchise. Let's be real. 
there is a big a bigger name that we haven't I think we might have just briefly discussed it way earlier on, but Voracek and uh, Cam Atkinson were traded. So how does yeah, everyone that's... feel about that trade? Why? I, I actually really like it. Um, for who and why? For both. Like uh, Cam Atkinson's just a pure goal scorer, but he's kind of struggled to find his game under the defensive system in Columbus. And then when you add Line A, you just replace Cam Atkinson. Like, why do you need Atkinson there? Whereas Philly doesn't really have that goal scorer. Like, they have Farabee who's going to be good, but they don't have that second guy. So you're just, you got a great goal scorer. He's not, you know, he's on the older side and he makes a bit too much money, but he's not making too much. And Cam Atkinson is still solid. Whereas Columbus got a really good playmaker. And yeah, Voracek's way overpaid, but Columbus isn't going to be good for a couple years anyways. Like, I, I just really like that trade. That was, a, that was a happy trade to see. I enjoyed it for everybody. Everybody won. Oh, big, big double thumbs up all around for Austin. <laughs> I, I felt like Columbus nice. probably. <laughs> I, I thought Columbus probably could have done better, to be honest. Because Atkinson, I've had, I've, he's been on my radar for like four or five years. I've always kind of looked at him, especially like in fantasy. He puts up points even in a defensive system. I'm surprised they didn't try to get like a first or something from Atkinson, or maybe even a second round pick. Cause you're going to rebuild. Might as well get something in the cupboards. Yeah, I guess with Voracek, though, he, there's not too much more you can ask for, especially when it's just Cam Atkinson, because Voracek's still an amazing player. I mean, let's yeah, not forget what, that. He's just overpaid. Mid-30s? Well, we, he's mid-30s, though. We talked about that in the Philly episode, too, right? I mean, their core was signed for a while, and something had to happen. They're getting older, so... Keep in mind, too, like, this is a league that only wanted to give up a first and uh, a goalie prospect for Sam Reinhardt. Like, and as much as I hate to say it, Cam Atkinson's short, and a lot of NHL GMs don't value that, as we just talked about the Rangers, right? But we also so mentioned how... a guy that no one wants to pay for. But you also mentioned how, like, it's a different aspect when you're trading an RFA. If Sam Reinhardt was already under contract for, like, term, he probably was going to get three firsts. Yeah, That's but Cam Atkinson's also 32 years old and signed for uh, four more years. So I can see why they didn't get as much value for him. I still, like I said, I like Atkinson a lot. I'm pretty big on him. I, I would have loved if the Sabres weren't tanking for the third time in 10 years to trade for him. But unfortunately... Did it ever really stop, Austin? Let's yeah, can you say it three really times stop? when it's just the one continuous... Yes, there was times where we were first in the league for a month, so we'll have that. <laughs> when we won the first game of the year before anyone else played, we were first. Both the past two years before this year, Buffalo was the number one team in the NHL after the first month, and then this well, year they, just, they decided to uh, to just not even get the hopes up. So they really subvert the expectations. All right, boys. I I got a topic I kind of want to talk about. I want to know who are your biggest losers for this year. I want to know, like, I want to know the team, but I also kind of want to know maybe GMs. Which GM do you feel like is also going to be on the hot seat? Let's give it off to Jimbo here. Who who who's your biggest loser of the off season? I'm pretty biased though, so <laughs> I'm gonna say this man. I don't know. I mean, I, like, I just remember when they announced that nurse like deal. I don't know. I just couldn't believe it, man. Like, you look at like how they're already having issues trying to find. Like, you have the best player in the world, like, but like you can't win a playoff round, like in a series against the Winnipeg Jets. Like, I don't get it, man. Like, 
So you're already having struggles like finding offense somehow. So you go and sign down on those for eight years at nine point two five million. Like I, I think that in itself, like I don't know, I'm pretty dumbfounded and like yeah, they, they added a couple guys, but like it's nothing that to me screams game changing contenders. Like I, I don't know, maybe that I I'm sure a lot of GMs are putting this off as a COVID year last year, right? Uh, and I'm sure they'll do fine in the regular season, but like, it's not a, it looks like a lineup that's locked up for way too long. That's just not going to progress any further in any time soon. Mm. That's fair. I can, I can see that. No, I, I completely agree. Cause like, I don't think the test lies for the Oilers in the regular season. It lies in how they can do in the playoffs and, you need a strong defensive def- like team in the playoffs for one and solid goaltending and they don't have that but i'm also going to give l's to the calgary flames for reasons we talked about before is that like there was a clear need to shake up the core and nothing's changed it's the same mediocreness maybe even less mediocre you know um less less good than previous years so i, I don't know how the expectations can be any any higher. Like we're on this you know, trend, right, where you make playoffs, you miss, make, miss. Well, we're on trend mm-hmm. to make the playoffs this year, but I don't know if that's happening, oh. man. That's definitely not happening. But you look at the roster moves, like, there's no way this team makes... Well, I guess you're in the Pacific where anything can happen right now, but, like, it's a bad team. Like, the top but, six is fine, Well, but that's, that's it. That's the thing the top six has to perform. And that's what I don't worry. They were. That's what he's banking on, you know. But uh, who knows? I don't I'm know. not worried about them performing the play or the regular season, but I'm worried about the defense just getting hemmed in. Yeah, that is true. Although, you know, like, I, don't know. I was fine with Giordano going personally, right? I, I think he was he was getting pretty old, and like, yes, he was a pretty good presence, you know, in the locker room and stuff. But like on the ice, I think. It was time for a change, but like you guys said before, there's no one to replace it, so it, it hasn't gotten better. So, would would you have paid a first round pick no. to keep Gio no as opposed to no having chance. Zadorov and Goodbranson? <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, <laughs> I still don't think I would have. To be like, honest, like, like next year is a, a pretty deep draft, right? I think, especially the way the season might be looking up for the Calgary Flames, potentially not making the playoffs and doing that well. If the top players, the top six, doesn't perform again, uh, I think that's going to be a very valuable pick. So I, I and for, for Giordano, who's going to retire in a couple of years, you know, on he's no longer the Norris kind of caliber goalie or uh, defenseman he was. So uh, I, I still think that's the move. I don't think you give up a first. There's not a chance I give up a first for Gio. I'll give up maybe a third but, like, nothing more. <laughs> I, Just I do his age, I think, mostly. And at the same I, time, he was I, he was the captain, but, like, he was never, I don't know, like, he was never seen as such a leadership figure and, and importance to the team and the city as Drew McGinley, right? And that's a tough one to follow, I know, but um, I just didn't feel there was the same sadness to see him go. Like, no one was really, there was a bit of sadness, but, like, I, I don't know. I, that's just my personal opinion, but, like... Because he could still return. There's still time for him to be yeah, traded back. He could come back next year, right? <laughs> they could still sign for the next year, right, for a cheap deal. That'd be fine. So, uh, yeah, that, those are my picks. So what about you, Jage? What is your biggest uh, 
loser coming up that you predict? For me, uh, I'm I'm I was gonna say Carolina, but what we've already. I think we've already kind of touched them, uh, touched them. We've gone over them a lot. Uh, so I'm going to just switch it over to Chicago. I mean, uh, look at look at the moves they made, some of the contracts they signed. We actually didn't even bring up Marc-Andre Fleury being uh, traded there for nothing, which was a great move. But I think they've committed too quickly to winning now when I don't think they were there. And even if they have a really good year this year with Fleury uh, – in the net and everything goes well, Taves comes back, they make the playoffs. I think they've basically just destroyed all the good work they've done in their rebuild only for a couple years of glory. And I don't even see them as a team that could win. So I just think they've, they've, they've hurt themselves too much. And that's why I don't think uh, they've done very well. And they're a loser. <laughs> they're, they're the ultimate losers. Uh, how about you, you Connor? Um, man, if I was to go, the biggest loser i probably have to go canucks and it's hard to say that given that it's almost a three-way tie between all the canadian teams in the pacific for how bad has been a bad canadian offseason yeah in the pacific oh no no. The, the the moment you go east of alberta it's fine you didn't do bad the moment like Alberta and BC just brutal. None of the teams could do a right move at all during the off season. But I think it's the locking up so much cap with OEL when you already have struggling defensemen on your team, and then also having no cap space to sign Pedersen and Hughes for the upcoming season. That to me is just such poor mismanagement by the Canucks, and to me that's why. Ultimately, they are the biggest losers for this offseason, just ahead of Calgary and Edmonton, though. I disagree, but uh, I'll let you I, have I've, your opinion. <laughs> uh, fair enough. I mean, I'm not huge on Quinn Hughes. I think he's a liability on the ice if he's not contributing offensively. But, wow. Yeah. Typical Flames fan. Typical I, Flames fan. Austin? Um, looking forward to the season, like talking about who's in the hot seat for a GM and who might be the biggest loser this coming year. I'm kind of stuck between two teams who their GMs are in a similar position, even though the teams aren't. Um, one team that no one's talking about is the Anaheim Ducks. They felt like they've been in a rebuild forever. And mm-hmm. we keep getting like, like, cause I follow prospects pretty heavily. And, you know, they talk about like this guy for Anaheim is going to be so good. And, like, I always love their draft picks, and they just come in, they don't do anything. Like, Troy Terry, Max Jones, Sam Steele, they all just kind of flubbed. And it's like, how, like, it feels like they're stuck in the mud and they're just sputtering their wheels. And, like, granted, you know, Zagras is going to be amazing, and I'm really big on Drysdale, and I think those two are going to be special players, but they kind of feel like a team with no direction. And with all those Eichel trade rumors and Anaheim, really being in on Eichel, which makes no sense because they're nowhere near close to competing and they still need to build up their young guys. It kind of feels like the GM's almost in a hot seat and he kind of wants to make a move out of desperation to save himself. And a team that's just like right in that same position is the Vegas Golden Knights. If Vegas loses in the playoffs again this year, that's five straight losses when they were the cup favorites. Except for, of course, the first year when they just made it by miracle. Like... That's for a team that's so reactive like Vegas is. That's unacceptable. You think Vegas were cup favorites over Tampa last year? Absolutely. 
Second, second in President Trophy. Second, but they had the most wins. They're the only team that had 40 wins in a 56-game season. I think they were in a weak division, too, though. I mean, they clearly were the top they, team in the division. They had to play the Avs, though. They had to play the Avs. Yeah, they had to play the Avs, but there was a lot of weaker teams in that division, like... Um, California. Yeah. For sure, but exactly. Vegas exactly. just added Peter Angelo. <laughs> and, you know, there's a lot of feeling of Tampa might not be able to, you know, two-peat it just because teams always have that cup hangover. So Vegas is, always has this expectation of they need to win the cup or it's boss. And, you know, just like I said, I, I'm almost saying this, like Eichel's the hallmark of a, of a GM who's on the hot seat because he's the explosive move to make. I could see, like, halfway through the year, if, if Vegas isn't looking as good as they should be, they could go insane and try to get Eichel. Because cap doesn't exist for them, right? That's what we always talk about. Cap doesn't exist for them. They'll, <laughs> it really doesn't. They'll shuffle around. They'll send over, like, Marcia So and some other guy who makes way too much money, and they'll be fine. They'll send over to the Smith. Bank. With one year left, and then <laughs> Dadanoff. That was a that was a big contract for a guy who didn't do incredibly well. I wouldn't even say he didn't have an average season. He was, but he had a below average season for his standards. And they it's paid like him five saying, million. They're they're rack, they're reeking of desperation. Like you can feel the pressure. Flurry didn't do it. Get rid of him. Uh, Dadanoff, bring him in. Bring in Nolan Patrick. Just do anything. Get us a center. We're struggling at the center spot. Like, I can just, you know, I, I feel the pressure from Vegas, and I think their GM's in the hottest seat right now in the NHL. Lauren Bressois, I will say, was a great signing. I mean, he has no flurry, obviously, uh, but he's a great backup. He's had a couple great seasons in Winnipeg, and he's had great numbers there. So I, I actually think that was a good signing by Vegas. But and, no, I agree you know, I, I mentioned it twice, and I just kind of, I know we've talked about this to death, but I feel like now it's especially the most important. Um, Jack Eichel, the biggest talk. Do you think at this point is he going to get traded? And if so, where do you think he's going to go? I'm going to ask Jage. Um, yes and no. I think he's going to get traded, but I think it's going to be once the season's already started. I think uh, it will all depend on how Buffalo does. If Buffalo starts off strong out the gate, I think they actually that might encourage them to trade him with his value even higher than before. Where if Buffalo's still not playing well, losing games, I think Buffalo could sit on him until the trade deadline and still see if there's a good enough offer. I'm not sure if any team even has, or is, is it willing to offer enough to even get him, but if any team, I think it'd be L.A. making a desperation trade, trying to get back into the fold with Kopitar and Drew Doughty, and they'll probably give up way too much for him. Way too much future, I should say. Way too much future. That's fair. Interesting, James. I think, I think, yeah. Obviously, eventually he's going to get traded. You know, the big question is when. But I think that when is really determined by what the heck is like. Still, no one knows the situation with his surgery and like what his rehab's going to be. Like, is he doing the surgery? Is he not? If he does do the surgery, how is he going to look after it? Like, that's still too much of a question mark. And I think that's obviously what's bringing down his value too much. And I think until there's any like, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, Austin, but like I don't think there's any information new information that I don't know of about the, the the injury and like and not until anything like that is figured out. I think that big unknown is really dragging his value into the ground. So if the GM isn't willing to trade him for pennies on the dollar, I, I think the only thing that would allow him to be traded is good news to come out about that injury situation, which I don't think there has been yet. Or maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. What is the situation, Austin? 
recently I heard that he is in fact going to be getting a surgery. He is. So, so I think what I think what the plan is is he's going to come into training camp because he he can't just like do the surgery and put him on IR. He has to come into training camp, see the doctor. The doctor will say, okay, you can now go get it. I don't know which surgery he's going to get because there's two different surgeries. There's the one that he wants, and there's the more common one. I think he's going to just get the more common one. So, but it'll have him out till December. Okay, so there's not a chance he gets traded, in my opinion, this year. 2022. Interesting. Okay, Connor. Um, if that's the most recent news, I'm absolutely with James. He's not getting traded this year. If Jack Eichel was going to get traded, it was going to be in the off season where they can get the surgery done so he can make the season started. That obviously hasn't happened, so he's going to miss basically most this year. Um, and no team's going to make the commitment right now to do that. But, I mean, if Eichel was to, like, withhold from playing for the team until he got that surgery, for instance, prior to that news, then I definitely could could have seen him getting traded really early. Um, Why would you strap yourself with $10 million of cap when he's not going to be playing half the year? Because um, you put that I on guess, your I guess you're right. I guess you Hold are right. On. Who, who said Seattle would take Kerry Price earlier in this call? Yeah, I just want yeah. ah. to remind everyone <laughs> of a player making $10 million who might have been hurt uh, getting taken. So just, and also, just bring that up. Th- thank you, Yeah, JJ. but that, that's thank a little you. different. You're not giving up and you're not subtracting. Yeah, but you don't and give it, up all these future assets. You're, you're giving Jack up Eichel. $10 million of cap. Yeah, you're getting, you're getting all these things for Eichel, who signed for five more years. I don't think you care whether or not he plays two months or not. Like, I mean, this is if a you're, long-term investment. It's a long-term investment, but I think the teams that really need and will try to make the push for Eichel are going to be the teams that are, you know, they need that center to compete. And I, I know we talk a lot about, like, L.A. and the Rangers or Columbus, but, like, why would Eichel want to go from, like, a rebuilding team to another rebuilding team. I think realistically, he wants to go because to a team Eichel, that and Eichel doesn't have a say. That's why. How can you evaluate future value when you don't know what he's going to look like coming out of the surgery at this point? That's the biggest yeah, question, I, right? I actually want to add to that. Um, my stepdad, he played hockey for Ohio State back in the day in like the cross-checking era, and he got a very similar procedure to the one Eichel wants to get way after his career. And his back, shoulders, and everything, it's a mess. Like, the guy wouldn't be able to play contact hockey after it. So just from seeing what my stepdad's gone through with that, I I would not pay big money for a guy making $10 million knowing that he wants to get something. And that's (laughs) why they can't get a first-round pick for him. So you can't get a first-round That's That's what the hold-up's been is teams, like, they want to give the pieces, but they're scared, like... Apparently, it came out that like over half the league agrees with the Sabers; they wouldn't greenlight that surgery he wants. So I think you know, I definitely think they could get the pieces. I just think they don't; they want to get more. Like I, I think they have no issue getting a first round or a couple prospects, but I don't think it's what the Sabers want. And what I think almost might happen, mm-hmm. and this is going to be disgusting, is I could see a team like Vegas, once Eichel gets put on IR for surgery, throw a bunch of guys at him. And just keep do a Tampa to just keep them on IR till playoffs. <laughs> That's true. That's true. They don't have to worry about shedding the cap. You just put Eichel on that team, and all you get rid of is draft picks and prospects. I could really see that happening, and that gives them a whole year to re you know rehabilitate. It's the good. only Some issue that I see really with that, 
is, and the biggest issue is the Olympics. Eichel's going to want to go play. If he's better in December, he's going to go play in the Olympics. True, so and I can't wait to, to see to Team China play. Oh, poor Team China. <laughs> That's another thing, yeah. The Olympics, I mean, that could affect lots of trades this year. How many players are going to go over there and get hurt? And especially if you have a guy getting a experimental back surgery and you know he's going to play those extra games in the Olympics against some KHL Russians who are not fans of North American hockey players. Anything can happen, especially to superstars. And, that, and that's, that's why GMs haven't to, sent their teams before. Yeah, and it's going to have to come down to whether it's Buffalo or someone else holds Eichel's rights. Do you send them over and risk the potential of him getting hurt? I mean, the you NHL know, said he, they're going to... If he's healthy, Olympics. I don't, I don't th- think you're going to... You're not going to stop him if he's healthy. There's no way. If you're Buffalo and you have this guy that you're trying to flip for a lot of picks and you send him over and he gets creamed into the boards, you just lost him for nothing. He didn't even help your team. He helped someone else. Okay, yeah, but question is, can like can a team realistically stop the players from going? I believe, yeah, the team has to greenlight it. Because this was... The main reason why they didn't go in 2018 was in 2014, Tavares got creamed by a KHL defenseman, got injured, and there's no compensation for it. Yeah, but I believe there is compensation financially-wise. Like that's There's a lot of compensation and a lot of money going towards the NHL now. So that's the reason why they said, okay, we're going. I, I don't know. I would love to know the answer to that on whether or not if the NHL wants to send a guy, but the team doesn't, what's the rule there? Because if Buffalo goes, we don't want to send Eichel. He's he's our most valuable asset. He hasn't played yet, and he can get hurt. We don't want to send him. But on the NHL side, they go, well, we want to send him because that'll be great marketing for us. Who gets who wins that argument? Gary Batman. Every time. <laughs> Batman Every probably. time. Because <laughs> then it comes time. down to owners versus the league. And the league doesn't like to fight the owners. But then how many owners are going to support what, right? So this could, I think the pressure's on to make this not a messy situation, but I think it's going to get messy. I think it's going to get a little bit more messy than it already is. That's definitely going to be interesting, to say the least. Um, but I guess just going into a, our final topic to kind of like slowly wrap this up, what are you guys' season projections for uh, this year? Like, of all the teams, give me the top three for each division. I can say with confidence that the Buffalo Sabres will not lose 19 games in a row. <laughs> okay, but <laughs> no one brave? beats us 19 uh, times in a row. I think for the Pacific, for me, I'll just get it started. I think uh, Vegas number one. I'm going to say I'm into number two still. I know that's a bit controversial. I'm still going to say I'm into number two. Uh, yeah. and I think And I think third place is either going to be a mix between the Calgary Shames or the Vancouver Canucks, whichever team decides to pull it out of their ass this year, because it always seems one of them sneaks in. I just don't think Anaheim's good enough. Don't think the Kings are good enough. And the Sharks, same thing. And Seattle, I don't see it. I don't think they're anywhere as good as Vegas was. And who knows? Hopefully they do sneak in. I think that would be exciting, but I don't have them there. Do you want me to go through all of them or just one division at a time? Do you Let's think take one better? each. Let's take one each. We've got four. Oh, one division each? Okay, well, I guess I was specific then. There you go. Okay, well then, I'm just going to say Central Coyotes first. I mean, that is obvious. So, whoever has Central, I've set you up for that one. I guess I'll do the Central then. So, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious that the the lock for the Central is going to be the Avalanche. 
Like, there's no way it's not going to be that avalanche. But afterwards, it gets really kind of like... Some teams can rebound, depending on when some players sign or whatnot. But I got the Jets at number two. They really didn't get worse. And a lot of central teams got worse. That That's what really makes it difficult. And I think... Honestly, the Jets can compete against most teams in the league. And last year being kind of like that COVID year, you run into like you start to oversee your opponent and you, you know, start to make mistakes or someone just gets in your head. But now that you're playing everyone, you show your true kind of like this is what we're able to do. This is what we're able to compete with. And I think number three, I got to go with the Blues. I just I don't see any of the other teams making any of the moves necessary to get better to make the playoffs to be honest so Austin, i see a big Colorado, i see a big reaction Winnipeg, st louis uh, what was the face for us all of them i i i think winnipeg's a bit too high i think the central is really good i don't think though you know dallas is looking to be a force again now that they have all their guys healthy but i bishop might not come back though on. They yeah. might not have Bishop still. They got Jake Ottinger. I have a lot of faith in him. That is fair. I was... The guy who doesn't believe in young goalies is putting a lot of faith in a guy who's not a highly rated <laughs> young goalie. He selectively believing does in it. young goalies. I just wouldn't pay $9 million for them. <laughs> like, uh, that's that's $9 million dollars of faith. You say Grubauer's a young goalie? He's 29. No, no. I said Grubauer's only played for good teams. Yeah. I said... Krieger's uh, unexperienced goalie, and he's 27. Yeah, but you said young goalies for that. They're both not young. They're both... No, no. Yeah, no, they're both older and not experienced. That's why I said yikes for $9 million. Oh, Grubauer has experience, but... Oh, no, really good teams, yeah. Austin, you want the Atlantic or Metropolitan? I'll let you take the Atlantic. I'll be too biased. Okay. Buffalo uh... <laughs> Buffalo number one, baby. Ooh. Put them at the top. Yeah, this is a this is a good division. The Atlantic Division is good. It's Actually, a really good division. I feel already feel pain for a lot of Maple Leaf fans over out east there because they they have a reckoning coming. Looking at this division, <laughs> wow. Uh, well, compared to last season, right? I mean, they're all used to the Canadian division being uh, you know top top seed, but uh, yeah, I don't see that happening. Um, and now they got to be embarrassed by the Buffalo Sabres six times. <laughs> now Buffalo's going to beat them 19 times yeah. in a row in one year, which isn't possible, but they're going to do it anyway. I'm calling it right now live on the show. If Buffalo and Toronto do play that outside game, Buffalo will beat them. It's too least not for it to happen. I'm not <laughs> saying that Buffalo's good. I'm just saying Toronto on their home, in Hamilton, Ontario, on Tim Horns Field, they'll absolutely lose that game. Doesn't matter who they're playing. It, it just seems like a documentary losing game for the Leafs, doesn't it? It's, yeah, it's all screams. it's written in the stars that this is going to happen. Someone like, two. Hates, like Cody Eakin will have like a hat trick or some shit. <laughs> it's just some guy out of nowhere, yeah. That would be the most Toronto thing to happen. Yeah, that's my prediction, but go ahead, James. Uh, yeah, this is actually a, this is a tough one. Uh, I'm just going to stick with my... Uh... By saying earlier that Allmark's going to be a goat, so I'm putting Boston first. Although I do feel like Boston is getting older. and But they got Hall now, so I, uh, I'm going to put Boston first, and then I'll put Tampa 
you got to put them high up there. Um, and then for my third team... <laughs> this is where it gets tough. It is tough. This is a difficult decision. Like, I... Hmm. If I'm being realistic, I'm gonna put Leafs third. I think, like, I I know Panthers were good last year, but I feel like they might drop off this year for some reason. So no playoffs for Stanley Cup finalists, Montreal Canadiens. No, I'm again as every year I am doubting them. So nothing, and they did lose Shea Weber this year, actually. Nothing. Uh, Montreal injury, finished 18th so. in the league this year. Like, if they if it wasn't <laughs> for the goofy divisions, they wouldn't have made the playoffs. If it wasn't for the Flames losing every game they played to Ottawa, they wouldn't have made the playoffs. Yep. Yeah. I, I, no, no, it's just Montreal loses all their games in overtime. They've done this for years. Yeah. They just yeah. don't lose in regular season. They just collect like a million overtime losses. They led the league <laughs> last year in overtime losses. Hey, so James, let like me ask you, you have, do you have two teams from the Atlantic making the playoffs? Like two wild cards or only one? Uh, Yeah, I have two. I'm looking at Metropolitan. I don't think Metropolitan is as good as Atlantic. I would agree, but it's it's tough though. It's tough to say that because it's still a good division. Oh yeah, that's for Just, sure. The Atlantic's really stacked. I'd do one and one. I think they're like after the top four in Atlantic, it's pretty like. Well, I guess, and we all know Philly's guaranteed to make the playoffs this year because mm, this is their sure. year back in the playoffs. So that's another pick I we ought to think have of. I don't have them making it. Oh my goodness. I'm doing the Metro. I don't have Philly making the top three. What's your picks? I have first in the Metro, I'm going to have Carolina. I think they're going to be pretty damn good again. They're going to stomp teams. Tony D'Angelo is going to put up a... Because Tony D'Angelo does this. He goes to a new team. He looks amazing. And then it's the next year that he causes trouble. So I think Tony D'Angelo is going to put up a stupid amount of points. And everyone's going to forget about him you know, love them again. And I think Svechnikov can have a breakout. Um, second's got to be the Islanders. Like, they're always a tank. They're going to be great. I think they're going to be monsters. And then third, this is, I think, and I know this is a bit bold, I think it's going to be New Jersey. I think Jack Hughes is going to have his breakout. I think he's really going to step into his role. And I think a lot of their, you know, younger guys are going to wake up. And with the advantageousness of Dougie on the back end, and Blackwood as a full-time goalie, I think New Jersey can squeeze in for that third spot. And then fourth, give it to Pittsburgh. Imagine Dougie Hamilton, PK Subban. I, I got to ask a question, Andrew. $18 million defense. Let's yeah. go. Go ahead, Connor. Uh, sorry, okay. My question is, when did you get the same kind of drugs that Ken Holland's taking? Because, like, that's just... <laughs> <laughs> You know, uh, you look at every year, very few teams hold those spaces. There's there's always going to be a bit of movement. And New Jersey, they're always going to be slept on. And I think they're going to take enough wins to get into that third spot. I think I think they look good. I really liked how they played this year before the COVID outbreak. And I, I just have faith in them. It might be oh, misplaced, oh, oh. but I think they can get that third spot. I think Over Jack the Hughes flyers, is caps, high. and pens. This is the this is the year that the Flyers lose Vigneault's love. It happens all the time. Vigneault's run is run his course. I think this year he's going to lose the room. Yeah, probably. Pens, well, I mean, if but, they fire know, they their coach halfway through here, they'll win the cup. Uh, for six. That's games. the issue, though. They won't they won't fire Vigneault. They'll keep him. I don't know about that. 
Especially and like Crosby's you know they they made a lot of sneaky ads. Like they got Ryan Greaves. They added Thomas Tatar. Like I really like the ads that uh, the Devils made this year. I think they're going to be pretty good. They got Jonathan Bernie who could steal games. And, I don't think you know that good. Pittsburgh's going to be missing Crosby for the start of the season. Columbus sucks. The Rangers have gotten weaker than they were last year, and last year they struggled. So I I just think it's time for the Devils to sneak in there. Is uh, Jack Hughes' brother going to play for them this year, or is he? Luke, no, he's playing for Michigan. Uh, he's one of so, those back on the stacked That's team. That's right, because they're all sticking around, <laughs> aren't they? The super yeah. stacked yeah, Michigan's team. Michigan's going to be a monster and not going to win the league, but that's just how college goes. And you don't think uh, Lafreniere bounced back? I love college. Or, I think Lafreniere will Lafreniere. bounce back. I, I just think the Rangers Dude, lost. I already forgot he even existed. It's only been one season. Dude, Lafreniere? <laughs> yeah. Ouch. Damn. Ouch. Harsh critic. Dude, I picked him in fantasy last year, man. Big mistake. You get burned once in fantasy, you never forget. Yeah. <laughs> that is that is a true ben feeling. Ben Bishop for me. Yeah, I was about to say, I bet Connor's never forgiven Ben Bishop for that one year. I thought Connor oh, would never forgive Jack Eichel for this year. I, I can't blame Jack Eichel for this year. I can't. <laughs> the Sabres are so bad, I can't blame him, man. Hey, no one beats the Sabres 19 times in a row. <laughs> no one also and to add to my prediction new jersey they're going to be in that playoff fight luke hughes is going to finish his year in college and he's going to come join the team like kale mccarr against the like flames kale McCarr did, like quinn hughes did he's going to sign his contract and come over i actually remember when kale uh like the he came on he was on the ice warming up and the, the tv was showing him and i remember hearing people in the bar going Oh, the Flames got it now. They've brought a guy up who's never played an NHL game. And I went, uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh oh. Underestimating a pretty good defenseman. So maybe we'll see the same in New Jersey. Probably yeah, not. No. I, I, think, I think three of the four kids from Michigan who got drafted are going to sign contracts when the season ends. I think probably come over and kick some ass. If their teams are in a playoff spot, absolutely. Even if they're not, like, I think Owen Power will sign at the end of the Michigan year and get to play a couple games. How many did it, wouldn't that be in a year on the contract? After a certain I believe date? it does. Yeah, I believe it does. If you're Buffalo, it like, what do you gain from him playing a few games? Like, to burn a whole year. Yeah, you, get, you get the experience, and the last couple of games of the year, like, that's going to be post-trade deadline where Buffalo sells whatever living bodies they have. Uh, ticket sales. To come see the first overall pick, you got you got to make money. Like the, this year is going to be brutal to watch a Buffalo game. It's going to look like COVID is still a thing in Buffalo. Like they they need any penny they can get. Owen Power jerseys will sell, so that's what they get. And also, like you don't want to harm your relationship with the GM or uh, with the player because I remember that was a big reason why Quinn Hughes signed in Vancouver. They burned a year of his contract. But they didn't want to say, "Sorry, kid, you're not playing. We want to save money." They'll they'll start off on such a bad foot. You kind of can't really do that with a college player, like a Calgary and Adam Fox. Ah, uh, he was a snake anyway. Doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, kid, it's okay. That... He never he never played very well anywhere. Yeah, that so Fox he never guy never amounted. He had no anything. intention of playing anywhere other than New York. So, well, I if mean, anyone yes. knows things about Adam Fox, it's JJ who dropped him in fantasy. 
Yeah, surely that guy will do nothing good. I dropped him the like right as he turned it on. I mean, this guy like freaking he was like not doing anything for me, not getting points, not hitting, not blocking. I drop him and he goes, "Okay." I took that personally. And oh my god, was that a mistake. <laughs> they show the Yahoo dropped in the dressing room. He put it up on his wall. <laughs> They might have, honestly, because... He had his Michael I honestly, Jordan moment. <laughs> I held on to him for way too long, going, oh, okay, it's not working. And then he went, okay. So Bang. let me ask you guys a question, then. Who do you think... A t- I want to hear from all of you, just, you know, one or two teams you think will make... Give me one team that's going to make the playoffs that didn't make it last year, and give me one team that made the playoffs that you think are going to follow. And no easy ones like Montreal... <laughs> Shit! <laughs> I know exactly where all those thoughts go. Crap. Uh... Yeah. Okay. I, I think I got my team that I think makes the playoffs that didn't the year before. And this is so out of left field, but it's the only one I can think of that's not just like the very obvious ones. It's gonna be the Ottawa Senators. Wow, you should be hired to their management because you think alike. Well, the only reason I say that is like the Florida Panthers look great up front, but Ekblad might not be back right away, and they have Sergei Bobrovsky in that. So, yeah, you're right, because Ottawa has that stellar goaltending. Who's their starter again? Actually, they do have a young good guy. No, 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 no. no Stanley Cup champion. Memory. No, no, no. They, they do have, have a young, young guy. good guy, but like... If uh, I was going to go for anyone that's not an obvious pick, I'm going Ottawa Senators. And then for a team that made the playoffs last year that doesn't make it this year, oh, fuck. Um, I'll go Blues. Okay. They have Gustafsson still. Yeah, Um, but what have we learned about young goaltenders? Unless they're Jake Shabbat. That they're going to win a Stanley Cup when they come in during the playoffs. I don't think Ottawa will, but I will. I had to stand up for Ottawa a little bit there. Okay, well, who do you think will make it, Jage? Uh, make it who didn't make it? I mean, it's kind of oh. a cheap one because I'm going to say Seattle. Obviously, they couldn't have made the playoffs last year. Um, but I just, I am just saying I don't think that they are projected, in my opinion, to make the playoffs this year. But because of a weaker Pacific division and even a central one, which has a lot of good teams in it but i think it's more top heavy um i think they could sneak in somehow and the only reason i'm including them is because i don't think they are a shoe in for the playoffs i know is a bit of a cheap answer uh for a team that might fall out i i know i just said it's a weak division but i'm gonna say the flames um or they didn't make, they it, didn't make it they didn't make it last year uh, so not not the flames oh. i'm gonna say my other one was edmonton uh, I know I have Edmonton second, wow. and I keep ranking them high up because of McDavid, but I could totally see this team just collapse on itself. It's goaltending, even though I'm a huge Mike Yikes. Smith fan. It's it not boys. the most elite thing in the world, and is you quite old, honestly. First. Mike Smith, so, not elite, old. You heard it here. What <laughs> next? Sam so, Bennett isn't what, good though? either. You know what? Every time JJ, biggest Mike Smith fan around, doubts him, he just... Pull something else like that you just don't understand. He takes where it first. That's that's yeah. why I'm doing it. I I got Adam Fox on speed dial and Mike Smith. Whenever I disrespect them, they turn it around. So you heard it here first, Edmonton. Jason Spezza too. 
Like all of them. <laughs> I rewatched that. I was not mean at all to Jason Spezza. Just underestimated him a little bit. But, uh, how about uh, James? Hasn't person. gone right. How about you, James? I think for a team that drop out, um, this is similar to Austin's predictions in the Metropolitan, but uh, Washington Capitals. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs this year. I think they've been declining for a while, and I think they're just continual decline. Uh, I, I don't know. I, don't, I look at the division. I don't have a whole lot of faith that they're going to be one of the top ones, but you never know what can happen. And uh, I'm just going to go against what we were talking about earlier and say who's going to make the playoffs that didn't make it last year? Calgary Flames, boy. Matthew Kachuk is going to turn it up. <laughs> Johnny Goudreau, it's a contract year. He's going to be on fire. Sean Monaghan, terrible last year. He's going to find something he hasn't found in a couple of years. I think if those guys, plus Lindholm, plus Markstrom, like every, I uh, I don't know even, actually, you know what? I don't even know why I'm saying this, man. I'm sounding like a Flames fan every single year. You look on paper and it looks great <laughs> and it just doesn't happen. But like, you look on paper and it should, man. You look on paper and it should happen, but we'll see. <laughs> you can't forget Mangiapane's up for a contract year too. Oh, true. And that boy is so good. Better than Kachuk. Typical Flames fans. Typical Flames fans. <laughs> <laughs> Put some respect on his name. Respect the bread. You know what? You know what? if he wins a playoff round, I just might one day. That, well, you're, you're relying on the Flames to make the playoffs. He can't do that much. <laughs> well, according to Jimbo here, uh, greatest Flames lineup of all time. I might, might make the playoffs. They're gonna come into the specific and kick some ass. I like how I had them rated not making it back, even though they didn't make it last year, because that was just my brain going, no, they're good on paper. They made yes. it. They must have made it. Oh, wait. No, they didn't. Typical Flames. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, classic Flames. Austin, who do you have? You know, talking a bit about it, you know, when James was doing his Atlantic ratings, and I thought, it, I, I've actually given it some thought, and, you know, I talked about how much I like the Allmark signing, but Boston lost Krejci, their second-line center. Bergeron's getting old, and he's talking about he might just retire after this year. Like, they lo- they've they lost a lot of key guys. Their defense isn't as good. Pasternak's kind of slowed down a bit from those times where he was looking extremely elite. Like, I could actually see Boston slip out in this hard division. I could see... When I was know, making Tampa predictions, Bay, I could see that, too. It scares like, me. It, Boston's either going to win the President's Trophy or not make the playoffs. It's going to be one of the two. Taylor Hall is either going to look like MVP Taylor Hall or he's going to look like Buffalo Sabres Taylor Hall. Once in Buffalo, you don't go back. (laughs) So I could definitely see a bit of a miss there, which will be, again, huge culture shock for Boston. And I think that will definitely put the pressure for them to do something hectic or even fire their GM or try to trade for Eichel. A team I could see making the playoffs is the Los Angeles Kings. It's a weak division. They traded for Arvidsson. They got Philippe Deneau. Like, they've made a lot of good sneaky moves. Quinton Byfield's going to be another year developed. Like, I could really see, you know, the LA Kings coming in and kicking some ass and just squeezing into that third that third spot. You know, it definitely relies on Calgary and Edmonton having a bit slower starts, but you can rely on them to do that anyways. Oh, so yeah. I think, I think LA could definitely... Surprise a couple people. Drew Doughty is still a good defenseman, right? I think Jonathan Quick still okay, well, 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 hold on. <laughs> Drew Doughty's not a good defenseman. Come on, let's be real. He's he's still pretty good. He's, he has his place in the NHL. 
He has his place because he makes eleven million dollars. For how many more years? I think he has his place because he won multiple Stanley Cups, Connor. Not just the money he makes. Yeah, but like he's not Not a good defenseman now. I would still take Drew Doughty on my team. He's still a solid player in my eyes. And they got Cal Peterson, who's a great goalie. Mm. Like I think, I I think LA is going to be good. Going to be sneaky good. Hell, we can even see like return of form to San Jose. Like the Pacific's wide open. It really is. And Aaron um, uh, Aaron Dell's pretty good. Is a pretty good goalie. So um, I think Arizona lost a bit when they gave him yeah. up, and then lost Kemper to the San Jose. No more Martin Jones. Aaron Dell is so good that he's going to bring Buffalo into the playoffs with those sick pads. It's going to be glorious. <laughs> I was like, I was like, where is he going with this? Where is he going with this? Oh, right, fashion right. contest. That's all they do in Buffalo now. All right, boys. I kind of want to wrap this up here. So I want to pose a question here to the panel. And it's, it's along the similar guidelines that we've had. So, final question. And of all the teams that didn't make the playoffs, who's your cup contender? Not the one that might make it into the playoffs. Who do you have of the teams that did not make it as your number one cup contender? Which is, <laughs> there's some really bad teams. So, it's going to be some hot takes. And no Seattle. You know what? I got this. Chicago Blackhawks. I know I've, no. I've said they're the biggest losers. I've said all these things. But you know what? When you have Patrick Kane, the greatest American player to ever play the game <laughs> on your team, and Taves could potentially return back to form, that's my that's my Hail Mary pass. I'm going to say Chicago. Yeah, Flower. He could play out of his mind in the playoffs and just see something crazy that we – no, no one expected. So even though I don't even have them making the playoffs, if they do, they're winning. They're going all the way. Honestly, I could see that. Flowers a great playoff goal. Like that team is built for the playoffs if they can make the playoffs. And who knows if Taves will be the same player when he comes back? But you know, if Captain Sirius comes back, name another better playoff performer than him. There's not many. So that's a great playoff team. I, I couldn't agree more. Austin, who do you have? Six years. Uh, one team that we really have not talked a lot about today, and honestly, like I could see it again, is Dallas. Like they were in the Cup final, you know, the other year, and they still have that great defensive game. A lot of their younger guys have developed a bit more, you know, Jason Robertson, and they're getting a healthy Sagan back. I think last year was a bit of a blip with half their team just dying, and they still almost made the playoffs. So I think they're just they're the kind of team that they squeeze into the playoffs, they'll get to the final. And if they come again against Tampa Bay, who's going to be on their attempt for a three-peat, I think Dallas takes it this time. Wow. I don't think Tampa's going to be in the final. I think the Islanders are going to make it out east, but I could see Dallas make it to the final again. I definitely see that. It, healthy Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan definitely would add a lot to that team. They did lose uh, Justin Dowling, which was a big loss off the roster, but uh, I'm sure they'll Canucks legend, Justin Dowling. Going to be great for the Canucks. He's a good pick. Jimbo, who you got? Uh, For this question, I'm going to throw the most outrageous, most unprecedented thing that the NHL has ever seen in many years, but Stanley Cup champions 2022, Detroit Red Wings. Legend Steve Eiserman, son's gonna happen. Man doesn't miss. Man never misses. Son's gonna Steve click Steve Eiserman just goes, fuck it, Jack Eichel. 
<laughs> and they win. Offer sheets of Pedersen too. Why not? And Hughes. And Hughes. <laughs> Get to everyone. You know what? They did sign Pius Suter, and I really like that signing for them. Detroit's making like a lot of smart moves. They're going to be real good in a couple of years. Tell you, man. Steve Eisenman, he's been in the shadows the last couple of years just waiting. He's just waiting for it, and then they're going to strike one day, and no one's going to see it coming. <laughs> I've been saying that for 10 years with Buffalo. Just you wait. Big difference. You don't have Steve, Stevie on your team <laughs> or managing have, your team. We have hard-ass Kevin Adams. That's all I need. <laughs> I just, Terrible. I'm very excited for 19 years down the road when we're still doing this podcast and the Buffalo Sabres are finally good. And I'll finally be wearing my Sabres jersey on the street and someone will come up and call me a bandwagon. <laughs> and I will feel so good. Austin, I'll spare you right now. That will never happen. <laughs> no one will ever come up and have to say that because that will never, that'll never be the true feeling. One day when I get, when we get our thirty-first, first overall pick, we might be good. <laughs>